Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. I should say almost always. I am back from vacation. As sometimes this <laughs> and occasionally and whenever he feels like it. But also sometimes not. Um, Chris K was here last week, did a phenomenal job. I always really like listening to him talk college football. Uh, really enjoy his other podcast, uh, uh, Burning the Red Shirt, and of course, Bet on C2C here. Um, and I heard what you said about me, Colin. So quite frankly, I think I'm coming into this show with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, Good. Good, you should. Yeah, yeah. I didn't listen to Canton Bound. So you were, you were right on that front. I did not listen to that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you listen to uh, most of our content that comes from here. And I figured you would probably listen to Campus Life, especially having such a great guest like Chris on. Um, but I knew you wouldn't listen to Canton Bound. So. I don't I don't listen to you talking Canton Bound when we're sitting here face like doing the show. I'm certainly oh, not going to go back and listen to it after the fact. I mean, that's just that you're asking a lot out of me. Uh, at that point um so yeah i mean uh, week four here is gone uh we're a third of the way through the season which is just crazy the, the season is flying by here um we're gonna miss football again in, in nine or ten weeks here we're gonna be lamenting the fact but since we're in the heart of it now we have a lot to talk about tonight um a, a month in i think we have a pretty good idea or at least are starting to form a pretty good idea about uh, some major stock changes. So we're going to talk a lot about that here tonight. Uh, we, as always, are going to review uh, some big names, uh, games, and takeaways from uh, the previous week. We're going to do our start-sit competition, a little bit of waiver wire stuff. Um, just a jam-packed show. So, Colin, uh, are you ready? Should we just hop right into this thing? Yeah, let's do it. Let's fire it up. All righty, guys. So the week four review, Texas, Texas Tech. I fought with some of my co-hosts on the Better Sports Show this past week uh, as to whether Texas was a legitimate playoff contender or not. And I said they're going to lose at least one more game without Quinn Ewers. I was told no. Well, 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 well. Um, Texas losing to Texas Tech here in overtime. Um, let's start with Texas. Hudson Card was fine in, in this one. It was not great, wasn't terrible. A little over 270 yards passing, two touchdowns, an interception. He was efficient, but he doesn't elevate this offense, which has been the issue with it the past couple years, and he couldn't elevate it here again today. But it sounds like Quinn Ewers is close to being back. He suited up. He was warming up. So it sounds like he could be back in this thing soon. That's a good thing for Texas, right? I that seemed, that's a stupid question, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a stupid question at this point. <laughs> okay. So just move on to the next one. I mean I, I guess um, the news here is that Hudson Carl will be back soon. So Yeah. Yeah. The news is yours is gonna be back soon. Um, like you said, Hudson Card is is fine. Um, he is going to be a fantastic um, low-level power five quarterback here next year. And do you think you he know, transfers out? I mean, I think he almost has to, if it, you know, Ewers comes back, starts the whole rest of the year, looks good writings on the wall that he's not going to have to start that. He's not going to get to start. I mean, unless he really wants like a degree from Texas. Someone um, was saying that he does. He's with the business school or something. I forget. It might've been Nate Marquise. Um, okay. Somebody yeah. who knows weird stuff like that. But then at that point he's been there for, this is his third year. He, if, you know, it, maybe if he like really buckles down and, and, you know, transfers out in the spring, 
like after the spring semester, like over the summer, um, depending on what they do with that transfer window, I don't know. But if he like transfers out after the spring with his degree and then goes as, goes a grad transfer somewhere, I think that I could see that happening. Um, Bijan Robinson, kind of the next talking point here. It wasn't statistically the most amazing day ever, but it was efficient. 16 carries, 101 yards, two touchdowns, um, one catch uh, for 22 yards as well. Um, he fumbled at the in the in overtime that ended up kind of costing him the game. But I mean, he he's carried them so far at this point. Can't be can't be holding too much against him here. I mean, is there anything left for him to show? I think he's done it across three different seasons now with some uneven quarterback play, even in the best of times. And I mean, he's he's just like. For all the guys that people have been saying have disappointed or haven't shown up this year, blah, 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 blah. Bijan is certainly the exception to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no more questions about Bijan. If there were any heading into the year, uh, they've all been uh, dispelled at this point. I mean, you know, he wasn't hyper efficient against Alabama, especially on the ground, but he did, you know, made up for it in in the receiving game. And that's one of the things with Bijan that makes him so good is – you know, even if they try and take him away in the running game, he's so good as a receiver and, you know, he's a weapon out of the backfield that, you know, they can get him involved in a number of different ways. And Texas has really been leaning on him here with Hudson card at quarterback. And I think that that's led to Bijan just doing Bijan things, you know, and at this point, nothing left for him really to prove. I don't think he's the type of player that's just going to, you know, pack it up um sit down and and say I'll save myself for the NFL yeah. uh but he certainly could and I still think he would be a first round pick cuz he just has a very well-rounded game good athlete uh, I mean I think that's we know exactly what he is at this point in my opinion he's the second best running back prospect I can remember I still don't think he's quite Saquon I think he's a better running back than Saquon Barkley was coming out of college although not by much mm-hmm. but I think Saquon's athletic tools just made him a slightly better prospect but you know great in his own right and better than you know in terms of guys that i've watched over the past decade or so i consider kind of todd Gurley in that stratosphere i consider leonard fournette dalvin cook you know uh, kind of that top of tier one kind of guy zeke zeke might be the other guy that that rivals him but i mean it's, it's a very very uh small group and i think he's certainly um near the top of it um for good reason here Xavier Worthy, the other piece of news here for Texas, he limped off in this game. Talked about it a little bit on um, College Fantasy Tonight. Uh, Matt Bruning and Nate Marquise were on there together, and they kind of broke down uh, a couple of the games. Uh, Texas is saying that it's an ankle injury. They're monitoring it. Uh, No word yet as to whether he plays this weekend or not, but, I mean, he's really gives this offense something that nobody else can, which is kind of that deep threats you know look at the other other guys on this team that are receiving options jordan weddington slot underneath guy jatavian sanders slot slash tight end underneath guy then you've got keelan robinson uh roshan johnson b john robinson all running backs like a guy hall got on the field and made a catch this week but not not a deep guy they (laughs) they don't have another profile like that on this team so if he were to miss time even if quinn ewers comes back i think that really kind of has this offense take a step back yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, like you said, they, they lose the um, field stretching ability and 
that's something that's huge with Quinn Ewers back is his arm talent, his ability to throw the ball deep and pairing that with Xavier Worthy makes that offense just that much more potent, that much more explosive and opens things up underneath for your Jordan Whittington's, your other guys and for Bijan as well. Um, without Worthy, that's going to definitely uh, hinder that offense and hinder Quinn Ewers return if he does indeed come back this weekend. Although, you know, Xavier Worthy hasn't been lighting it on fire this year. And I do think some of that is, is the quarterback play with card, just not a real great fit skill set wise between the two of them. They just don't really mesh that well, but you know, something to, to just tuck away, you know, hasn't been stellar this year. Yeah. I mean, we talked, we joked about it in this off season when Jordan Addison was in the portal and, and Texas made a really big push for him. We see why they don't need him. Like they had Isaiah Nayor, they had Xavier Worthy, they had Sanders, Bijan. Uh, and now some injuries to some of these guys, and now you're left kind of um, thin, really, at wide receiver until reinforcements come in next year with that nice class they have coming in. So um, it's definitely something to watch there. This Texas offense uh, still might not be at full strength, even if Quinn does come back next week. Texas Tech. I think it's noteworthy. The first thing that jumped off the screen is I kind of looked at just the, the breakdown of how this game went. Texas Tech ran 100 plays, Colin. <laughs> and this game only went into one overtime. It's not going like to like six. This is not Penn State, uh, Illinois from last year. I don't know year. why you'd bring that up. Uh, I won a lot of money on that game, so it was fine with me. Um, 100 plays, 56 passes, 44 rushes. Like This is the offense that we kind of pictured. Uh, not 100 plays, but th- this is the, the offense that we pictured when we said Zach Kitley going in there, running a bunch of plays, high tempo. Uh, a hot, and that means you know, by, by proxy, high volume for a lot of these guys. Like, this is a really good sign for Texas Tech moving forward, regardless of whether they had won this game or not. Yeah, I think this is a really good sign here. And I think what this is really saying is that um, we just kind of needed to give Zach Kitley and that offense a little bit of time to click, a little bit of time to gel together. Uh, you know, Kitley went from um, Houston Baptist to Western Kentucky, which is a jump, but it's still a jump into the G five. So, you know, Western and Kentucky he took did, a bunch of guys with, um, yeah, he took a bunch of guys with him who knew that system. And, you know, now he's starting completely fresh at the power five level. It took a little bit of time, but I think we're starting to finally see what this, uh, offense should and can look like. And it's looking like it's trending towards what we were expecting. Um, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Smith is kind of my next uh, <laughs> uh, one here. Um, Devonta, or yeah, Devonta Smith, Donovan Smith. We've talked, you know, does he fit this offense? Probably not. He loses the job. Somebody gets injured. He gets the job again. Uh, ugly a little bit last week. 38 for 56 this week, 331 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Was all around a pretty good game for him. Added another 40 on the ground and a touchdown. I know we we talked about this, I, I, maybe not last week, maybe two weeks ago, Colin, but like, I, if they keep winning, I don't know how you can yank him when Shuck comes back. I just don't get it. And that might be a little bit of wishful thinking. I'm not like necessarily predicting it, but, you know, Shuck won the job. You don't like to take a job away from a guy. But, I mean, Texas Tech has had a very difficult schedule, and they've done very well the past couple weeks against some, some pretty good teams. Yeah. I mean, Donovan Smith, uh, I, you know, I picked him as one of my sits last week. Um, 
you know, which you were not on the show for. But yeah, picked him for one of my sits. That's a miss. You know, Texas had a good defense. Donovan Smith had struggled the week before. He only had 17 fantasy points. He didn't look that great. You know, one of the things Chris and I talked about is, you know, what is Donovan Smith? future look like in this offense and do they turn to baron morton who you know baron morton had struggled in the game prior um and, and hasn't looked that great anyway but this is this is exactly what you talked about you know t- just two completely different players it seems like at times and we got the good donovan smith in this one and if we keep getting the good donovan smith and yeah absolutely i don't think there's any way that they can turn away from him um but if we get the bad donovan smith I could see them turning back to Shuck because I, I do think Shuck fits the traditional mold of what Kitley's quarterback would look like. Donovan Smith, like we talked about a lot, doesn't. Now that doesn't necessarily mean Donovan Smith isn't a good do you player. Think, do you Smith? Do you think Smith can like learn that though? I mean, he's young. He was an athlete coming out of high school. If I remember correctly, this is his third year in college. Uh, got injured like the very beginning of, of freshman year. So really, like this is really his second year. I mean. There, we we both said this, so I'm not I'm not saying that you know I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you here. Shuck fits this offense better, but is there a thirty uh, the the performance this week fit what that offense wanted to do? You know, not crazy high a dot, efficient, accurate. Um, like I I, and he kind of gives them even a little bit more because he can run a little bit. Like I, I think there's a, a chance that he can learn. If you're Texas Tech, I don't know why you wouldn't maybe want to try to develop that a little bit. Yeah, I think he absolutely could learn that. Um, like you said, he was, he was a little bit raw coming in. He's still pretty young. He could absolutely learn that and pick that up. And I think he, you know, his mobility and if he can learn that offense, his mobility and his arm, so his tools, and if he can learn that offense, gives it a higher ceiling than what Shuck does. But, um, you know, I, it's it's been very difficult to predict which Donovan Smith we're going to get at this point. I think you'll need to see, we need to see a little bit more consistency before I'm confident in saying Donovan Smith hangs onto this job, job long term. I think he's trending in that direction though, after this game against Texas and I don't see shut coming back this week. So he's going to get another shot at it. Um, Miles price been hit or miss the first couple games we got really really worried about him 16 targets in this one and i guess it's easy when you're throwing 56 times but again that's the norm for zach kitley so uh, not in, in terms of pure percentage market share super high but but 16 targets is really great for him double anybody else on that team and he went 13 uh catches 98 yards no scores on those targets um, the stat line, I'm not that concerned about, you know, at the end of the day, it's over 20 points. That's great. That's what we're trying to hit every week on some of these skill guys. So, so, you know, not as big of a week as it could have been. I don't really care, but that 16 target number is great. And it's great because it was just so much more. Like we talked about, um, is Jaron Bradley, the guy after game one, he had four targets in this one. And it doesn't seem like, uh, Smith and him have really clicked too much. You look at some of these other guys on this team. Um, JJ Sparkman was, it was in name of the people throughout four targets. Nehemiah Martinez is really the other guy. He got eight, but still not miles price level. I mean, this is a really encouraging sign. I think this makes him a start every week going forward. Yeah, I agree. I think this does make him a start, um, pretty much every week moving forward. Now, I, I mean, he, I don't know exactly what the rest of their schedule looks like. They may have another tough game in there too, where maybe, you know, you don't feel super confident in it, but I, I think he may not return the value that we were hoping for 
uh, in you know round uh, round two, round three CFF type of a pick, a earlier uh, round C two C pick too. You know, I think he was going off in like round eight ish. Um, so I don't know if he's necessarily going to return that value, but he is trending upward here. Really good sign to see these targets finally start to funnel his direction like we thought they were going to. And again, it just kind of goes back to this offense facing some tough matchups early in the year, learning each other, learning the offense and each other's strengths and, and needing to settle in a little bit before we're finally starting to see it take off. And as it takes off, Miles Price is really the, the guy going with it here. Like, you know, none of the other target counts were really close to, to Miles Price this week. And while he's not really getting it done into the end zone and stuff, if, if he's getting 16 targets, you know, catching 13 passes every week, you know, that's 13 points for you right there off the bat on top of whatever yards he gets. So he may not have the ceiling that we were hoping for, but his floor is looking really nice. Yeah, I mean, great, great stuff there for him. And then just notable Baylor Cup. A guy, the you know, five-star tight end a couple years ago. Everyone universally loved this kid. Serious, serious injury problems at Texas A&M over the past few years. Transferred to Texas Tech this offseason. Uh, four catches on four targets for 65 yards and a touchdown. So uh, if he can stay healthy, I think he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on uh, moving forward. Although we don't know, you know, ha- have injuries completely killed him at this point. It's too early to say. Clemson Wake Forest, Colin. This was probably one of the more exciting games on the day because this one was kind of a back and forth there. Uh, another one that goes into overtime. Clemson ends up winning uh, in double overtime, fifty-one to forty-five. DJU had a big day here, and, and this was, you know, we've we've been very critical of him over the past year on the show, so we're going to give him props when he deserves it. Twenty-six for forty-one, three hundred and seventy-one yards, five touchdowns. Uh, and then picked up 52 yards on the ground as well. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily have a big question here, Colin, for you. I'm kind of just going to toss it to you. Wake Forest, not a great defense, but still a big day out of this guy and, and something that we want to see more of out of him. Yeah, I mean, like you said, not a, not a great defense there for, for Wake. Um, and, and this is definitely one game that I I got wrong. Um, just flat out got wrong this week. I, you know, looking at some things, prepping for for last week, um, you know, Wake Forest had not uh, – Clemson had beaten Wake Forest in 13 straight games, and under um, head coach Dave Clawson, Wake Forest hadn't been within two touchdowns um, of, of Clemson in in the past – since 2014, so the past eight years. So I just thought that that Clemson's defense was line was going to come in and manhandle them and, you know, that this was going to be like a two score game. And it very much wasn't. Sam Hartman looked very good in this one. Um, You know, they they handled the pressure well. And this was an offensive shootout, not expecting at all. But, you know, if anybody was going to play well in this one, we figured it would probably be Sam Hartman. You know, just because of the level of quarterback he is, this performance at a DJU, um, pretty surprising, uh, but but in a, definitely in a good way there. I mean, he is on the year actually has been pretty good. Um, you know, he's completing sixty four point three percent of his passes. He's got over a thousand uh, yards passing, ten touchdowns, the one interception. Um, he's only taken five sacks as well. Um, you know, so he's been. 
he's been smarter. He's been moving around a little bit as well, over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown there too. So DJU's been been looking good um, this year, and, and he's been usable for fantasy purposes as well, which has been a very pleasant surprise. I'm really interested to see how he does over his next six games here. Because they've played not, I mean, I, I like Wake Forest, and I think I really like them offensively, but their defense is, is very, very bad. Over the next couple of games here, they get NC State, Boston College, Florida State, uh, Syracuse, Notre Dame, and Louisville. Those are some, you know, uh, there's a couple not great games in there, but there's also some very tough ones. So I'm I'm very interested to see how he does once the margins get a lot thinner. For instance, there was this touchdown that he threw uh, kind of on like a little, you know, it wasn't, it was, you know a, a kind of a post, but it was a really weird throw where he kind of just like lasered it and the DB just completely like dropped it into the receiver's hands. Like it's the touchdowns, uh, people were like, damn, nice throw. And I was like, well, that's, that's actually not really a very good throw. <laughs> um, but, but overall in the day, he, he was much better than he's looked in the past year or so. So um, uh, kudos to him on that. Uh, Will Shipley out touches all the other backs on Clemson um, 20 carries for him, 104 yards and one touchdown uh, did a lot of the dirty work in this one. Uh, Phil Moffa was next closest with seven carries. I mean, he's just so clearly the most talented back on this roster. And if the Clemson staff will let the splits reflect that I we're in for a good season from Shipley. They've, they've been hesitant to do that maybe because he's been, a little banged up over the past year, but uh, he looked good in this one. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were talking about Raheem Sanders as jumping Shipley in this class um, and, and jumping Braylon Allen as well. And uh, I, I've, I've come around on that as well. Um, you know, you were on that earlier than I was I'm a little, I was a little bit slower to move on like to a it, week but, or two. Yeah. Not uh yeah, not majorly. Um, but yeah, but yeah I'm, I'm on Sanders ahead of Shipley now, but this performance from Shipley was really encouraging um, I think he's my, he's still my my third RB in this class ahead of Braylon Allen. Uh, Braylon Allen's been struggling a little bit too, but it was nice to sh- see Shipley get the ship righted a little bit. Pun intended. Yeah, yeah Braylon Allen. Uh, I don't think we really talk about him at all <laughs> on this show. As I'm thinking about the the show sheet here, um, he was not very good this week against Ohio State. He broke like a 75 yard run with a couple minutes left. And the defense just didn't chase him like because the game was so out of hand. Um, so anybody just looking at the box score would say Braylon Allen had a nice day. He really didn't. Um, yeah. And that's not to be a hater. Um, he just it, it was not a good day. Let's let's, let's be realistic about some of these guys. Um, Wake Forest, uh, you know, valiant effort, end up losing, coming up short. But see, Hartman, you know, we, I didn't expect him to look this sharp this quickly. They, they announced Undisclosed health injury or health issue. He's going to be out indefinitely. Comes back after one game. And now his third game of the season here against Clemson, 20 for 29, 337 yards, six touchdowns. Um, just was really, really good on the day. I mean, I don't think he's a legitimate NFL quarterback. Like, I think he'll be a backup in the league for a while. Um, but I'm just really having fun watching him in college here. And I really do hope. He might try to test the waters, but it would just be nice to get one more year out of him because he has it if he wants it. Yeah. I mean, given how poor this quarterback class 
has looked yeah. um, this year outside of the top two guys, um, which, you know, that's something we can get into a little bit later. But given how poor they've looked, I, I could easily see Sam Hartman testing the waters here and, and declaring and thinking he has a good shot to be the third best quarterback in this class because I, I think he does. Now, the offense is concerning. Um, just because it's it's a little gimmicky, the long mesh um, point. It's not something he's going to run in the NFL. But he has some tools there. He's a gutsy, grit, gritty player. He's smart as well. So yeah, I could see some NFL teams liking him. I think he, I think they're going to like his personality, and I think they're going to like him in the uh, on on a whiteboard too. Just in terms of you know from what I've heard before. So I could see him. Be he has as good a chance as anybody to be the third quarterback in this class. So I could see him declaring early, which would stink for anybody uh, who has him on their roster for C2C or CFF because we would love another year. I struggle to see a lot of NFL throw. Uh, like, I agree. There's a lot of stuff of him like pushing stuff down that downfield and stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about in terms of like, you know, anticipatory throwing. He doesn't do a lot of it. So yeah. uh, I'm not sure how much the NFL will love him, but we, we shall see. He could be one of those guys. Um, the other note here, Connor, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jamal uh, Banks when we get to our waiver wire section here. Um, but six catches on the day, 141 yards, two touchdowns. He also had the most targets on the day, albeit only one more than A.T. Perry. We've seen this offense support two wide receivers for fantasy purposes in the past. We've kind of been feeling out who was going to be the second guy here this year. Banks could be making a, a a very strong push, and it is notable that he did not start this game. So I do think that that's just something to keep uh, in mind. But but did run quite a few routes, and again, most targets on the team, uh, and certainly made the most of them. So um, Jamal Banks, uh, a sophomore, I believe he's listed as uh, interesting guy. There, are you looking at him pretty hard this week, Colin? Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely looking at him this week. I mean, you know, yeah, At Perry still is probably the number one receiver in this offense. I mean, I know Banks out-targeted him overall, but um, Perry was the leading target guy going into it. it. And he'll play on every snap too, but Perry has not really been that good uh, so far this throughout the year. Um, 12 catches on 26 targets coming into this game. Um, so just not a good catch percentage there. And, you know, you blame... Mitch Griffiths coming in early, but Mitch Griffiths didn't really look that bad. Um, and with Sam Hartman back, Perry has still kind of struggled a little bit there. So I don't think Perry's going to disappear. I don't think he's going to be quite the player that everybody was hoping he was going to be. And I think Jamal Banks is, has stepped up and earned this number two role in this offense. And as a sophomore, I think that's a really appealing thing, especially because Sam Hartman does have an extra year. And if he does go pro, Mitch Griffiths looked like he could handle himself out there. You know, he, he's not Sam Hartman, but he didn't look like a bum either. Um, exactly. So Oregon, Washington State. Let, let's move along here. Next game. Um, Bo Nix. We talked about this a lot in the offseason, especially as it went on, that we thought he could be a sneaky, good fantasy guy. And I, I still think I'm not buying him as a legitimate NFL quarterback. Uh, he just does too many stupid things. But um He's been very, very good. You know, forty plus fantasy points here a couple times in the past uh, past few weeks. Really, since Georgia, he's been very, very good. And now that we know what we know about Georgia, uh, I think we're a lot more willing uh, to forgive and forget that game. 
Um, would he be a buy for you uh, for somebody just looking for pure fantasy upside at the quarterback position? Man, that's tough um, because he is a, he is listed as a senior now. Maybe he has a COVID year. Yeah, left. he does. He has one year left if he okay. wants it. So yeah, he's a so. he's got a COVID year. He could come back. I think it would be smart for him to come back uh, and continue to rehab his stock because he has looked really good outside of that Georgia game. I mean, yeah. he looked atrocious in that Georgia game, and you know, I kind of thought after that one, well, there's the Bo Nix we know mm-hmm. and love. But the past three weeks. And against two solid teams in BYU and, and Washington State, he's looked really good. And, you know, I don't know whether this is credit Kenny Dillingham or if this is just an example of Bo Nix flashes at times and then the wheels are going to come off at some point, too. I still think that's in the realm of possibility, but he's looking like the player that you and I thought he could be entering this year, given that fantasy value as well. Yeah, I mean, I would buy him for the right price. Yeah, just to give you know some of his stat lines over the past few weeks, 28 for 33 for 277 and 5 against Eastern Washington, whatever, it's Eastern Washington, against number 12 BYU, 13 for 18 for 222 and 2, uh, and then three rushing touchdowns in that one, and then this past game, 33 for 44 for 428 yards, three touchdowns, uh, and his first interception since that Georgia game. So he's been very, very good. Um, but it's hard to kind of pick out a guy that he's that he's throwing it to that we really, really like here. I know we like Troy Franklin, like the player, especially the idea of Troy Franklin, and he's been pretty solid um, uh, over the course of this season. Um, he led them in receiving this, this week, um, but only five targets. And he, he was the fourth most targeted guy on the team. Um, he ended up turning those five targets into five catches, 137 yards and a touchdown, so... You know, ta-da, all of a sudden Troy Franklin looks like he had a good day. But in reality, like I just don't think that's super sustainable. And he hasn't been really been heavily targeted in any game this year. So if you have Troy Franklin, are you trying to see if you can float him out there at all, Colin? Or what are you doing with Troy Franklin? Man, that's a tough one, too, because... I didn't. I wasn't expecting a ton of CFF value from him. I think he was always more of a Debbie play. Uh, but I do think the perception of him is a little bit higher than what I have him ranked at this point. Um, you know, even I, I would still hope he would be out targeting Chris Hudson and Chase Coda on a week to week basis. Uh, and he just, he didn't this past week. So he's not quite as, uh, you know, uh, he's not quite the focal point of the passing offense that we were hoping he was going to be. I would be willing to explore some offers for him. I'm not in sell territory yet, sure. but yeah, I, I'd be interested in in potentially seeing what I could get. I think his ceiling, I, I don't like necessarily saying this because, you know, every player um, can, can turn into more. His ceiling has always seemed like a, a round two guy, which is a very good receiver. But I, I, I just know I, I have not seen kind of that take over a game capability yet. Um, I, I just want to see that out of him. He's a little slight. I do think he's a good athlete. I do think he can win at all three levels if he needs to. Like there are some very, very positive things about his game. But I also just think there, like I haven't seen him basically just have a blowout game yet. I, I really want to see that out of him. So we'll see if he can put something like that together 
over the next few weeks here for Washington State. Uh, Cam Ward has really uh, stepped it up over the past couple weeks. It took him maybe a couple weeks to get acclimated to uh, this level. 37 for 48 this week, 375 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw two interceptions, not great there. Um, but he looks much more comfortable running this offense. Um, I still, I think where he was going in drafts was a little high based on what we've seen so far, but uh, he's definitely, you know, like people say, what's the worst case scenario? He's a really good CFF guy for a couple years. Yeah. It's looking like that could be the worst possible scenario. It's still, you know, that that's, that's solid, uh, kind of floor upside. Yeah. I, I mean, I think this is just another example of needing to exercise patience on some of these guys. You know, we thought Cam Ward was going to be a very good CFF option and started out the year a little bit rough, but he was making the jump up from, you know, the FCS level and FCS, the power five, that's not an easy jump to make. You know, we saw Austin Reed struggle with that a little bit in week one and that's FCS to, to G five, you know, and that's another ship that has gotten righted since then. Uh, and Cam Ward was making an even bigger jump. So I think he is going to settle in as a really nice CFF option. Oh, the biggest question mark is what's his debut future looking like? And we knew there was going to need to be a lot of development there. Very raw coming out of high school, not a lot of pass attempts. That's why he went under the radar so much. Ends up at, Houston, at uh, Incarnate Word. Looks good there, and but still, you know, things he needs to clean up. So it's not surprising that he needs to clean up some things at, at Washington State yet. But in in terms of CFF value, this is exactly what we were hoping for. So he's starting to pay dividends here, and you know, we'll jury's out for uh, for Debbie. One of the big red flags about him that was discussed ad nauseum this offseason was that he can't throw the deep ball, uh, and he has really struggled with that. Twenty six point seven percent completion percentage uh, over. Uh, uh, on throws over 20 yards downfield. So definitely still needs to clean that up. Um, but, but has been pretty money on the, the short and intermediate stuff. So, uh, good for him. Uh, we'll see if he can continue to develop there. Um, and he's spreading the ball around, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, evenly here. Dejuan Stribling has been the guy that everyone is like the most. And he was the most targeted in this one. Uh, nine targets, five catches for him, 84 yards, and a touchdown. Renard Bell had seven targets, uh, turned that into six for 84, and then Donovan Ollie. Those are kind of the three names that you hear a lot, and Ollie went uh, five targets, four catches, uh, 77 yards. So, um, you know, all, all the names on our radar are producing there, not at like a mega, mega level. I mean, you're probably not super happy with six for 84, um, but if he scores a touchdown, you know, obviously <laughs> – uh, you're a little more happy about that. So so no mega performances yet out of these guys. And if they continue to split like this, then it, it kind of sucks, quite frankly. But um, still, fingers crossed that Stribling uh, can continue to get the majority of the targets and can continue to um, uh, grow and produce a little more than maybe he is right now. Yeah, I think um, Dijon Stribling is the guy that we kind of anticipated leave it, leading this wide receiver room. And that's really been the case so far overall, but they are spreading it around a lot. Robert Farrell just needs to get out of here and disappear. Uh, eight, eight targets in this one. Um, Donovan Ali was a guy that I had as a start last week uh, and did not see Robert Farrell coming out of nowhere um, for eight fifty and one, but yeah, it really spreading the ball around uh, which limits their CFF value a little bit here, but 
they're still at least usable pieces, even if they're not necessarily returning the value that people were sinking into them early. Um, Tennessee, Florida, last full game we're going to cover here, Colin. Uh, we'll start with Tennessee. Uh, they are the victor in this one. The Florida gave them uh, a really good game here. Hendon Hooker. Uh, we talked a little bit about this at some point this off uh, this season. Um, you know, beyond just like a legitimate Debbie asset, he might be a legitimate Heisman contender uh, if Tennessee continues to uh, play the way they are now. They're undefeated. They're in the top ten here. Hooker this week, twenty two for twenty eight. 349 yards, two touchdowns, added another 112 and one on the ground. Since he got to Tennessee, I saw this and I, I did not catch the, the, who tweeted it. And I don't have the exact tweet in my head, but it was something like since he took this job last year, he's thrown for, I believe, 45 touchdowns to like three interceptions. Like he's been crazy efficient there. He's been the perfect guy in this type of offense. Um, I, I do think if Tennessee continues to, to push on, he is a legitimate Heisman contender. And I think he's he's certainly not hurting his draft stock at this point. So he's he's old. That's going to be the big talking point on him. He's he's old. So was Kenny Pickett, though. He's still in the first round. So who knows what the NFL wants? Yeah, I mean, I think this is Hendon Hooker is one of you and I's best calls. I think, um, you know, we were we were on him pretty early heading into last year. And he's done nothing but be phenomenal in this Josh Heupel offense. Uh, I, I do think a good amount of his production and efficiency is from the Josh Heupel offense. So I'm going to be really interested to see how the NFL values that. But like we've, we've said time and time and time and time again, the QB3 in this class has been remarkably disappointing. It leaves the door wide open for Hendon Hooker, who biggest knock is his age. You used and, my line last week, by the way. I heard you say it. What line why, is that? Why do we have to have a third quarterback in this class? Oh. I can't just be two. <laughs> I heard you. I heard you. Um, that's what you get for not being here. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the biggest knock on Hooker is is his age and the system he's coming from. But everything else, you know, is good. And you said Kenny Pickett was a little bit of an older prospect. You know, there have been some other older prospects to go, you know, so maybe he doesn't end up being a first round guy, but I could still see him being the third quarterback off the board. And I do think he is a legit Heisman candidate. I don't think he'll end up getting there. I think Tennessee will fall off a little bit, but, you know, just to even be, you know, top five, I think is is a huge uh, accomplishment for him and can parlay that into some nice draft stock as well his he worst, will be a senior bowl guy his worst game of the year was their first game against ball state where they just totally blew them out early they won 59 to 10 in that game he went 18 for 25 for 221 yards two touchdowns uh and then another two rushing touchdowns that's probably his worst game on the year they beat Pitt in overtime he was good in that one they blew out akron the week after and then this week against florida so i mean the, the, the narrative is right in itself here. We'll see what happens. Um, notably, Cedric Tillman out of this one. Um, and it looked like he was in a boot uh, as he was on the sideline. So um, not sure exactly what's going on there. Obviously, they're not going to give us any information. They don't have to. But Brew McCoy was the guy that stepped up while he was gone. And he's, um, when I saw that he was out, his, uh, his prize picks play, which is the total... I believe the, the line was at nine and a half fantasy points, and I could not hit the over on that fast enough. Uh, five catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown in this one. Um, 
I think he'll be the guy as long as Tillman is out. Like I think he's the one that's that that steps into that particular role better than anybody else on the team. I don't think they have anybody else on the team that can do that. Um, you know, a Hyatt's kind of a flashier guy, but I, I don't think he can be uh, what Tillman is. Uh, Ramel Keaton has been around for a bajillion years, and, and that's really it. They don't have a lot of depth at that position. So, Brew McCoy definitely a guy. If you've got him right now, and Tillman's out, you're you're starting him uh, while he's gone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, great call by Chris K last week saying you know start. Hyatt start Brew McCoy. If Tillman doesn't play, Brew McCoy steps up. Big game from him. You know, I mean, it's as long as Tillman is out, McCoy, like you said, he's going to be a start. You know, big question mark with him has always been you know, consistency and putting it together on the field and staying on the field. You know, he's always kind of a ta- he was always a talented guy. He had the raw skills. So it's nice to see him start to put it together here. The guy that I had completely written off. Um, you know, and, and it's nice to see, it's nice to be wrong about guys like that. You know, it just, when you completely write somebody off and see them actually do it, I'll, I'll never, uh, I'll never, you know, be upset about that. About missing the, that the, the bigger question is going to be, what does his role look like when Tillman comes back? I think. Um, and I, I am curious to see, I mean, before that he was kind of a, a five for 50 and you're praying for a touchdown. If he doesn't get it, then it's not a great day. We'll see if that's what he goes back to, or if they kind of end up splitting that role uh, a little bit more uh, when, if, when, I don't know, whatever word I want to use there. Uh, Tillman does return for Florida. You know, we talked about DJU. We've given him a lot of stick and rightfully so over the past couple of weeks. And now we're going to give him his props when he has a good one here. 24 for 44, 453 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, an interception in there, and then 62 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. I was interested to see this this rushing split because they talked a, a little bit last week. I believe there was a clip of Richardson saying that he's not really running because they don't have anything behind him. He doesn't want to get injured. But it doesn't seem like that was necessarily a worry for him in this one. Um, I mean, a really, really nice week. One of the top fantasy performers, uh, performers on the whole. Uh, he, he's very hot and cold. Let's see him do this again next week for Florida and the week after. I mean, we need to see this for a couple of weeks, but this is certainly a kind of game that shows you why some people are really excited about him. Yeah. I mean, he, he always has that, that type of a ceiling. And, you know, that's one of the things I said when I listed him as a sit last week is he can always put up a hundred yards on the ground and make you look foolish. He also did it with his arm in this one too. Um, You know, looking pretty, pretty decent with the arm there again, like you said, it's still kind of a wait and see approach because he's had two real stinkers um, before this one. So, but I think he's back in the territory where you're probably firing him up every week and just be prepared for a potential dud because he's just so boom and bust. Um, skill position guys for him. We've talked about that a lot this year. We talked about it for DJ too. Like we, we don't love the skill guys for them. Justin Shorter was the guy that kind of came up big in this one. Seven for 155. Uh, no scores. The top wide receiver, was it four classes ago? He's been around for a really long time now. It was originally at Penn State uh, and now at Florida. Ricky Pearsall, my guy here on the Florida team, five for 103 and one. Um, and then the running backs, too. I mean, ETN, nine for 35. Uh, Naquan Wright, eight for 26. Montreal Johnson, eight for 18 and one. Like, none of these running backs, especially, 
are standing out, but you do like to see it from some of these wide receivers. We'll see if, uh, you know, those guys, and then Xavier Henderson, who four for 68 on the day too. I mean, we'll see if any of those guys can, can keep it going because they're, they need to help Richardson out. He needs that kind of assistance. They really do. And, you know, the, the receiving core here is, is definitely subpar. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I don't think it's going to get any better this year. Bringing in a couple guys next year in, in next year's class. Um, maybe those guys get on the field a little bit early and, and can help them out. But I think for next year, they're going to need to bring in somebody in the transfer portal to give Richardson something. Because I do think Richardson probably is back for another year. Um, especially if he's, we continue to see these up and down performances. Yeah. A um, couple other just random notes from around college football. Tavion Thomas was suspended. Uh, for the first half of the Utah game for an undisclosed reason, and then still uh, led this Utah team in rushing this week, 11 carries, 60 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Glover um, got the the majority of the snaps in this one in his absence, and he did not do a lot with it, um, but we think he is the heir apparent there, um, and, and nice to see him being the guy uh, that gets uh, thrust in there. Um I don't know. I mean, any, any takeaway from this, Colin, other than Tavion Thomas? I mean, Juco left another school. Like, he, he's bounced around a lot. I mean, this might be a case of a kid that just needs to kind of get it all together. Yeah, I, I think it's a case of a kid who needs to get it all together. But uh, he has been getting it together at Utah. You know, he's been the leading rusher there um, since, you know, fairly early in last year. And, and I don't know what the suspension was for. That'll be interesting if, if anything leaks out about that. But when he's on the field for Utah, he plays well. Um, so, you know, not an NFL guy, I don't think, at this point. I think he's limited athletically. But for CFF purposes, great to see him firing up. And then it was also nice to see Jalen Glover getting some work, too, as a freshman. Because Tavian Thomas is a pretty solidified lead back there. Next up here, Colin. J- Jackson Smith and Jigba hurt his hamstring week one against Notre Dame. And we haven't seen him since. He warmed up two weeks ago. So I thought going into this week, he didn't play. And I thought, well, he warmed up last week. They're, they're easing him in here. They're going to put him out here against Wisconsin. And he does not play again. Are we starting to get concerned that we won't really see him much this season? No, I'm not overly concerned about it. I, I think that Ohio State hasn't, they didn't really need him. They kind of blew yeah. out Wisconsin here. I think if if it came down to it and they really needed him, I think they would put him out there. So, but so do you think if this game had been really close, like middle of the third quarter, they would have tried to JSN out? I think there's a possibility of it. I mean, it is a hamstring injury, so you know it's it's soft tissue, always the chance for a re-aggravation, but there's also always a chance that guys can play through that potentially. Chance I'll too. get hit by a car walking out the door tomorrow, Colin. You know, we've got to gotta live life. Yeah, I mean, I, if this was close, we could have seen him out there, but they also don't necessarily need him because like Buka, Marvin Harrison have been great. Cade Stover at the tight end um, has been stepping up pretty nicely as well. Even Julian Fleming getting in on the action here too. So if this was any other program, maybe, but no, I'm not really concerned about JSN missing games. I think he's going to get in there you know, as the season starts to really kick up and, and when they get into Big Ten play here. Fair enough. Drake May, how about another guy here? I bet you're probably not concerned at all about him. Uh, he's been cooking this year. Let Drake May cook. 
uh, four games here, 80, uh, 89 for 129, so uh, 69% completion percentage, which is very nice. Nice. Uh, 1,231 yards, uh, 16 touchdowns, one interception. He's added uh, almost 200 yards rushing already this year, too. Um, where do you rank him in, in this 2024 quarterback class? And just to toss out uh, some of the other names that you know, might be around him there. Uh, you've got your Caleb Williams, you've got your Quinn Ewers. Um, and then like not a ton of other guys. I mean, maybe Anthony Richardson goes back to school. I actually think that's more likely than not. So he's another name we could we could toss into that uh that 2024 class. I mean, where where is he amongst these guys for you? Um, hey, he's definitely up there. He's my number three. Uh, in that class right now, Caleb Williams moved up to my QB one overall. So QB one in that class, um, Quinn Ewers, QB two there. I mean, very talented. I think those two are pretty clear cut uh, one and two, but Drake may jumping up into three, you know, the rest of that class is pretty unsettled. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about another guy in this class in a little bit, but Drake Mays looked really good. He's jumped up to my QB five overall, honestly. Uh, because outside of those top four, we've been saying it all offseason. We didn't really feel that great about it. Um, he jumped Devin Brown for me because we've seen it from him. Uh, we haven't seen it from Devin Brown yet. Devin Brown's at six. I still believe in him. You know, I still think he'll be good at Ohio State. But, you know, Matt Bruning always chirping about Kyle McCord. Every now and then a, a seed of doubt will creep in <laughs> occasionally for me. But we've seen it from May. He's looked really good. He's got a, another full year left, guaranteed. And then, you know, we'll see what the NFL thinks of him. But we'll see what the rumblings are this offseason. But I feel good about May. He's up to seven overall for me. And, yeah, he's behind Williams and Ewers, uh, QB3. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that he should be above Ewers. I also have just enough of Ewers in my brain uh, from that Bama game to make me not do that. But I also uh, get it uh, if somebody else were to put it that way. Um for a lot of the reasons you listed, yeah. I mean, that 200 yards rushing is pretty clutch, too. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how he uh, continues to grow here uh, over the next couple of years. Freshman running back starting to explode here. And this is our last point before we start talking about uh, some other stuff here. Um, a bunch of really good freshman running backs. You had Jaden Ott this week. Uh, Arizona is an awful rush defense. They are 125th in the country overall. Um, but 19 carries, 240 or 74 yards, three touchdowns, like just a stupid, stupid game. He was our freshman of the week uh, here at C2C. Quinchon Judkins, uh, Zach Evans got a little banged up early in this one. He went 27, 140, and two. Richard Reese uh, for Baylor, 78 yards and a touchdown for him. You guys talked a little bit about him last week. And then Jamarian Miller got in, obviously garbage time. It's not like he started or anything, but nine carries, 63 yards, two touchdowns. Looked really good in that one. Uh, we talked a lot this offseason about him being the Bama back we wanted for the future. So um, it makes us probably feel pretty good about that projection moving forward. Um, anybody else, you know, any, anything stand out there to you, Colin? I mean, it's it, it, hard not to start with with Ott and his big day and how we kind of were, were, were obviously way too low on him. But, I mean, this class is starting to really shape up uh, at the running back uh, position, which we said this is a very good running back class and, and it, it, you know, they're proving us right. Yeah. And I mean, the crazy thing is we're not even seeing anything out of Jaden Blue, you know, which we didn't really expect to with Bijan there. 
Uh, we're not seeing anything out of Branson Robinson, which yeah. again, didn't really expect to with Kendall Milton, Kenny McIntosh there. Not seeing anything out of Trevante Citizen with that injury. Those are three of our top four guys. And we're not seeing anything from them. And we're talking about how how good this class still looks. So, uh, you know, definitely uh, a, one of the better running back classes in, in recent memory in terms of depth wise as well. Quinchon Judkins, like you said, took advantage of that Zach Evans injury. We'll see how that plays out moving forward. That was an air quote medical issue. So yeah, I it didn't really sound know. that serious, I don't think. But yeah, I don't think it is. And I have concerns about how he's going to how much workload he's going to get once sec play really kicks up here. We'll find that out. I think this week, um, Richard Reese, kind of the same concern there for him. What's his workload going to look like when everybody's back and healthy, but Jade, not looking great. He's looking like a CFF producer here at the very, he's the guy there. He's the guy there. Like, and, um, I think I had posited that back in June. I, you know, I, I think that he's a sneaky guy that could take a job way quicker than I thought he ever could. Yeah, um, way quicker. So, yeah, Jaden Ott, if you have him right now, you're, you're feeling really, really good about him over the next couple of years. All right, Colin, before we hop into some stock up, stock down, we're going to talk some Debbie today. Um, before we do that, we do need to talk about uh, how we are part of the Fantasy Points Media Group. And we are in that group with a ton of other great podcasts. Uh, you can find all of them in one place at Fantasy Points Live on Twitter do a weekly uh, Friday drop that recaps the entire week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. And if you're looking for some other fantasy content, uh, head over to Fantasy Points. Promo code CAMPUS22 gets you 10% off of a membership over with them. Uh, So go ahead and check all of that out. Again, Fantasy Points uh, and Fantasy Points Live on Twitter. All right, Colin, stock up, stock down. This can be CFF perspective. It can be C2C perspective. It can be Debbie perspective. The, pe- the people know what we're doing here. Stock up, stock down. This is this is uh, basic, basic stuff here. Uh, go ahead, Colin. Give us your first stock up on the week. Uh, first stock up on the week here is Israel Abanaconda. Is he a running back for Pitt? Uh, you know, you last offseason um, predicted that by you know, this coming off season is Abanaconda would be like a top 50 um, pick and he would rise dramatically in value and he definitely rose in value. And then the first game of the season, you know, didn't really get out there all that much. Rodney Hammond handled most of the work. Rodney Hammond looked really good and Rodney Hammond gets hurt. And ever since then, Izzy A, once he got the work, it has just been, t- has just taken off uh, 25 carries for 154 yards and a touchdown. 31 carries, 133 yards and a touchdown, 19 carries, 177 yards and four touchdowns this past week, Um, three straight 100-yard games and very easily clearing 100 yards. He's looked really good. He's looked like the player that, you know, you and and I have thought he was going to look. And Nate. And Nate as well. He's been a big Izzy A fan. Yeah, so he's looked as good as people have been expecting here. Rodney Hammond might be coming back soon. But honestly, Izzy's been so good that they may just keep riding him. You know, maybe Hammond siphons off some carries, but he's looked really good. And, and he's also looking like a back that has some some NFL potential as well. We're going to talk about some the, the the 2023 running back class here in a little bit. But I mean, he's he's certainly worked his way into uh, legitimately being a part of that discussion. You know, I'm not putting him up there with B. John Robinson or anything, but... Um, I, I think he's definitely a guy that that 
gives his class legitimate depth if he were to leave school this year. My first one, I put DJU. I did. And again, you know, I said earlier, we're, we're going to hit these guys when they're bad. We're going to praise them when they're good. Now, has he been perfect? No. I still think he's been a little all over the place, um, but he's definitely taken a massive step forward from last year, which I think was reasonable. And that was never necessarily the argument that he would be as bad as he was last year. It was just, can he get back anywhere close to what he looked like in those two, two or so games as a freshman? He hasn't looked like that yet. Uh, but another really big one for him this week, and you talked about it earlier, he's completing over 64% of his passes on the season, 10 touchdowns, one interception. Um, uh, he, he's been throwing the ball a little deeper here. His receivers helping him out a little bit more. The offensive line is held up a little better than I thought they would. But these next couple weeks are going to be a test. So I, I think it's a stock up for him in terms that it's not the total basement. But now the test comes. Let's see what he can do over the next couple weeks. See if he can vault himself back into the conversation. Um, so DJU, really nice game this past week. Uh, strung together uh, a couple of good ones in a row. Probably good for his confidence. Uh, no Georgia to break him earlier this year. Um, so so good for you, DJ. Second stock up, Colin. I really like this one. I, I don't know what to do with this kid at all, but he's playing well. Yeah, Um Second stock up here for me, uh, quarterback Jalen Daniels out of Kansas. And that's another guy that, you know, we, we he mentioned and we'd mentioned in the offseason about a guy that, um, you know, we liked for, for CFF value. And, and we've definitely been seeing that so far. You know, he's been great for CFF purposes, um, but he's also looked good. Um, 66 for 93, so 71% completion percentage, 890 yards passing, 11 touchdowns to one interception. Uh, and then, you know, 320 rushing yards, four touchdowns, more along the lines of what we expected in terms of rushing. But the passing has really been the story there. Um, he's looked good so far. And I have not, you know, Kansas is 4-0 and and Jalen Daniels is a big part of that. Um, they have some nice wins there. I haven't really watched a ton of these. So I'll really need to dive in and see like, you know, beyond the box scores and, and beyond that um, game that they had earlier on in the year. Um was that um, Texas Tech? Did they play that week one? I think. Uh, did they play Texas Tech? I don't remember. They had a really nice, uh, a nice win um, early on in the year there, but um, you know, but beyond that, we'll have to see kind of how it shakes out. But he's a junior. He's got another year. He's going to be coming back, so you're going to get another year of the CFF production, and maybe he's a Debbie asset? Question mark. We'll see. But big stock up for him. Houston's probably their biggest win. Houston. They've also beat West Virginia, Tennessee Tech. You pro- T- TX Tech and TN Tech, they're, they're basically the same thing. So I was thinking of the Houston one. That was I, I, I can see the confusion there. Um, my other one's at Mecca Buka. And yeah, like I know that his stock, well, so, I mean, his stock was too low to begin with. We talked about in the beginning of the offseason, Marvin Harrison is ranked way too low. And then as the offseason went on, he corrected. We pretty quickly shifted to a Mecca Buka is too low. I think people were still wrapped up in the he's going to split a bunch of snaps with bum-ass Julian Fleming, which was never actually going to happen. Julian Fleming's uh, injury history, again, um, has necessitated, uh, and, and JSN's injury have, have necessitated him uh, in the lineup more here. Through four games, 26 receptions, 442 yards, five touchdowns. He's added a rushing touchdown as well. He looks really, really, really good. A lot of people had him outside their top 10 
overall Debbie wide receivers coming into the season. I think that was a mistake. He should be very firmly uh, in, in the top 10 now. I believe I have him as my wide receiver six now or seven. Um, I mean, just another example of these, these, uh, these Ohio State wide receiver factory doing what it does. Yeah, I have him at seven right behind Xavier Worthy and Luther Burden. And to be honest, if he does this a couple more weeks, I think he jumps those guys. Like he's, I don't know how well he wins downfield, but short intermediate stuff, he's money. He like this is why I've always preached. He might end up being a little more of a possession guy because he's just not a huge big play threat. But he's really, really, really good. He's got an NFL body. He's got NFL size. He's got really good hands. He returned kicks last year, so we know that he's he's fairly dynamic. Um, just you know, not like a, a game breaking speed kind of guy. So I mean, it, it, he's he's ahead of schedule, I think. And I think it's a major stock up for him. And I think if you have him outside your top three wide receivers in the class, I think you're doing it wrong, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree with that. Uh, you know, coming into the year, I think I had him like wide receiver 12 ish. So fringe top 10. Um, but he was a guy that I always believed in. You know, he was my wide receiver one in that class. Like I liked him a lot. He was the wide receiver one in that class. Very talented player, just kind of needed the opportunity. And JSN really was operating in the role that Emeka Egbuka would operate in best. I think Emeka Egbuka offers some outside versatility. I think he could do it if he was asked to, but I think he's just better in the slot. And he's getting the chance to show that there, and we're seeing exactly how good he is right now. So, yeah, absolutely. Huge stock up for Egbuka. I have him up at uh, wide receiver seven as well, just behind Luther Burden and Xavier Worthy. You copycat. Uh, and I do just want to give an honorable mention shout out here. Barry and Brown had a really nice week again this week. Barry yes. and freaking Brown. We thought that he would take longer. Seems like his athleticism is carrying him here early. And if he continues to develop a uh, true freshman wide receiver there at Kentucky, watch the heck out. Some stock downs here, Colin, um, who has not uh, really helped themselves here uh, the past couple weeks. Man, I think this one's an obvious name, but has to be mentioned. And that's Tyler Van Dyke, quarterback for Miami. Um, he's not been good so far this year. 71 for 119 yards. It's a 59.7% completion percentage. Uh, 811 yards, um, or 71 for 119 attempts. 811 yards, 6.9 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, three interceptions. Gross stat line. Gets benched this week uh, in a loss, in an embarrassing loss to Middle Tennessee State. He's benched for Jake Garcia. Jake Garcia is a guy that, you know, I think he's pretty talented. You know, he's one of the more backup, talented backup quarterbacks in the country. He was not good either coming in. Um, 10 of 19 for 169 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions in this loss as well. I, I think most of this blame right now is on the play calling. It's on Josh Gaddis. I think a lot of it is also on the receivers. There's just nobody there to help catch passes. But as a quarterback, fair or foul, you have to be able to elevate the players around you. And sometimes you have to be able to overcome bad play calling. And I don't think Tyler Van Dyke's a guy who can do that now. He has, you know, again, time and time and time again, we've been talking about it, just failed as a QB3, a potential QB3 in this class. Um, if he keeps this up, wouldn't surprise me to see him bench for the rest of the year, but I would definitely think he's coming back for another year. 
he has to go back. He's been not good this year at all. Um, stock down for Tyler Buckner, and it's not often you know, how you get fired on your day off. How you how you drop your stock when you don't play? Well, here's how. He's basically missed the past two weeks, uh, and in those two games, Notre Dame has gone two and zero. They were zero and two with him, and Drew Pine has been not like Drew Pine has been amazing, but he's made this offense functional where Tyler Buckner could not against Cal. 17 for 23, 150 yards, two touchdowns. And then this week against UNC, you know, it's a sieve of a defense, but 24 for 34 for 289 yards, three touchdowns. Have we seen anything out of Tyler Buckner thus far in his career that would lead us to believe that he could have put up that stat line even against a bad UNC defense? I don't think so. I'm, I've dropped Tyler Buckner to like my QB 40 or 50 or something. I'm just, I'm done with him. I, I, it's a bummer. I, I think he's, he's, he's done there. Maybe you send him to, uh, I, I don't even have a good school off the top of my head, a, a G five or something and, and let him cook there where he doesn't have to be as good of a passer. But I, I just think his days as a legitimate, you know, Debbie C2C asset, at least for the near future are over. Yeah. I dropped into my mid thirties as well for QBs. The only reason okay. he's even, the only reason he's even hanging around there is because I think if he, gets back on the field he could provide some cff value just because of his uh ability with his legs so maybe he transfers out or or something if he ends up losing this job long term and could provide some cff value but yeah for a devi asset you could pretty much put a nail in, in that coffin and you know it's a shame because he has a lot of the tools we liked a lot of you know what we saw from him in that potential but he hasn't been able to improve much as a passer and he just hasn't been on the field enough just constantly injured um, just really hasn't been able to, to show it and to get out there and to, to work through some of this and to progress. And I think at this point you just, it's kind of over. Uh, my next stock down though, um, Brennan Armstrong QB for Virginia. Um, like I never really thought he was much of a Debbie guy anyway. I know there were some people out there who did wasn't really on that train. Um, but you know, a lot of people were taking him as, as a CFF option this year, and he was phenomenal last year under Robert and I. And we're seeing Garrett Schrader do what Brent Armstrong did last year under Robert and I. So a lot of that is the system. Without that system as a crutch, Brent Armstrong has been terrible. Uh, 73 for 141, so 54% completion percentage. He only has one game completing more than 60% of his passes, and that was against Richmond. Um, 848 yards, so 6.1 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, four picks on the year. Um, last week, 109 or 138 yards, a touchdown and a pick. He's not startable moving forward for CFF. Like if you took him, I, we were kind of off of that whole Virginia offense. I don't have, really have him anywhere. Uh, but this is even worse than I was expecting. Like he is just not flat out, not startable moving forward. He stinks. It was so bad. Like his price picks line was, I believe a 20 one fantasy points and is it's so bad. Like I looked at that and I was like, I did not even hesitate to hit the under and he didn't get close. I was never no. worried the entire game that he would even get there. It's, it's amazing what they've done to that offense there. Virginia just completely, completely nuked it uh, in one short off season. My last one here is Donovan green. And this is a bit of an odd one here. I think I, I would concede that because he hasn't been bad this year. The wide receiver there at Wake Forest, 
um, through through four games here. He is second on the team in targets, tied. Um, 14 catches, 237 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. But he's this, you know, when he went in there, he was, if if not the highest rated wide receiver recruit they've ever had, one of the highest ever, was a four-star kid, was expected to go in there and, and do some really big things. Athletically, he's he's top-notch. He, he broke out a little bit at the end of his freshman year the last couple games. Uh, injured, and then just hasn't stepped into that role. He's been basically outproduced or similarly uh, produced with uh, with Taylor Moore in there, with uh, Jamal Banks we talked a little bit about earlier. We're going to talk about him uh, again later. Like I just really wanted to see him become the guy or at worst the two guy. He, he hasn't been able to do that. He's been dropping in my rankings for me. I believe I have him down around my wide receiver in, uh, 80 or 90 now. He definitely could still step it up here, and we'll see what ha- what this offense looks like as the year goes on, and if Sam Hartman comes back next year. But I just, I'm losing faith. I I, I stuck around with him for a long time, and now I just, I feel silly. I feel silly. Uh, Donovan Green, he did me dirty. Yeah, I mean, I understand, you know, sticking around with him for a while. I was, I kind of had some hope on him as, as to be the number two guy this year with Jakari Roberson off to the NFL, uh, and it ends up being looking like it's going to be Jamal Banks. So, you know, solid process in it, but, you know, Donovan Green just not living up to the hype there. Um, so, yeah, definitely understand the stock down. Um, let's hit some waiver wire real quick here, Colin. If you're looking for other waiver wire content, we did do a little YouTube video for it for College Football Mornings. Um, that is on the Campus to Canton YouTube page. So if you want to see our beautiful faces that we talk about some of these, go right ahead. Um, as always, we kind of split these into a couple different, oh, and, and Chase and the Natty talk a lot about, uh, different waiver ads too. So, um, you can go check that, that show out this week. Um, we kind of split this up into like, you know, if you have limited waivers, here's the kind of guys that you should be looking at. If you have a, a super deep league or the waivers are unlimited, this is the kind of pool of player maybe you're looking at and then watch list as well. So that's what we've done this week. We have two players that we think are worth an ad in limited waiver leagues. And just because this is the kind of le- uh, week, like if you're in one of those leagues that you only get two pickups a year and they're in certain weeks, this is usually the first week that you get waiver pickups. And these are not the kind of players that I'd be picking up in those kind of formats. There should be a a, a, a CJ Donaldson or an Evan Hall or or Austin Reed or somebody like that available. So these are not the names, but if you, you know you have four or eight or something like that throughout the year, Miles Davis, the running back at BYU uh, is the guy I'm looking at. Uh, 0% rostered, at least according to Fantrax. We talked a lot about it this offseason about how we wanted the main running back at BYU. We assumed that would be transfer Christopher Brooks, but he has not taken this job like we thought he would. Only two carries this past game. Miles Davis, on the other hand, got 14 and outsnapped him uh, almost uh, five times as many snaps uh, as he got. 14 carries on the day, 133 yards. Uh, he's a a really good athlete. I think he gives this offense a different dynamic, a different dimension, missing their two uh, big wide receiver threats. Um, they need a spark. He can do it. So Davis is a guy uh, we were, t- we, uh, we're in a league together calling where the waivers go on, on Monday night. Mm. I got, I got Davis in that one. Um, I'm, I'm annoyed. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think I have an ad for him in every single league uh, that I'm in that um, has you know, more than four waiver ads this season. Yeah, I mean, Miles Davis is um, definitely my top ad for the week here as well. It's just, 
it seems like he's jumped Christopher Brooks. Christopher Brooks had three snaps this past week, two carries. Of course, he had a touchdown because, of course, but I don't, you know, that's not sustainable. I think Miles Davis is the guy there moving forward. Um, so I like that call a lot. Uh, the other guy that we have listed as an ad, um, Jamal Banks, wide receiver for Wake Forest, the guy that we talked about a little bit earlier. You know, you also highlighted Donovan Green being a stock down. Jamal Banks seems like he's really stepped up. Um, the past two weeks, particularly since Hartman has been back seven targets and eight targets, two touchdowns in both games, looking like he's going to be the number two guy there. And this offense can definitely support two wide receivers. A.T. Perry also has really struggled so far this year, catching the ball. Now, I mean, he's going to be involved. He's still probably going to be that number one wide receiver, but Jamal Banks is a sophomore. So we're looking at two years of him, you know, this year, next year, minimum, maybe even a third Griffiths has looked like a solid quarterback in, in Hartman's place if, if Hartman does end up leaving. But Jamal Banks looking like he could be a value this year and in the long term. Let's head down to some deep slash unlimited waiver type leagues. Curtis O'Rourke, quarterback at Ohio. He is 11% rostered. He's had a couple monster games here, guys. Uh, you know, the, these matching schools, they, they get some tougher games. They've played Iowa State, Penn State, but in the like in aside from those two games 48 and 59 fantasy points on the year this past week he went 41 for 50 for 537 yards and four touchdowns added another score on the ground uh matching kicks off like this week guys like in terms of you know matching matchups uh and their schedule is pretty much a cakewalk through the rest of the year so th this is when these kind of guys start to shine you might be wanting you know what these guys, these idiots told me to take Colin Schley and he hadn't done shit this year. JK, this is the week where all this stuff starts to kick off and O'Rourke could be a guy that really benefits from that. Yeah, you you have to exercise patience with the with these Mac guys. You know, like we talked about um, you know, here with, with Curtis O'Rourke getting Iowa State, Penn State. Ohio is not a team that can match up with them in, in really any asset, in any facet. But getting into match and play here, O'Rourke... Um, has also been getting it done on the ground too. He's a dual threat guy. So I'm expecting some big weeks from him moving forward. And he's a junior as well. So he has another year of eligibility. So he is, he's a decent long-term play there as well. Uh, another deep league and limited waivers ad is um, Decorian Clark wide receiver for UTSA. Now he's a little bit heavier owned 20%. I think most of that's probably in CFF leagues. Uh, you know, he's also a senior. So you're really only getting him here for the rest of the year, but a uh, huge week this past week, nine for 217 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he has 39 targets on the year. He's got double digit targets in every single game, except for the Texas game. Um, and he's also scored a touchdown in every single game, but the Texas game, he has six touchdowns on the year. Uh, he has 25, 22, 10 and 48 fantasy points. So he's been very productive, even as the number two wide receiver for UTSA's offense behind Zachary Franklin, but scoring Clark, Looking pretty solid. If you need like one more guy at the end of your roster, like a flex guy, um, you know, you could do a lot worse than Clark. Um, Brenton Strange, the last guy here. Um, no, not Dr. Strange. Brenton Strange, tight end at Penn State, 13% rostered on fan tracks. Uh, he's a boomer best bust guy. Five catches last week, 42 yards. Two of them happen to be touchdowns, but he has been getting targeted there in that Penn State offense seven targets and five targets in the last two weeks he's a pretty good athlete for the position 
Um, Theo Johnson was out for a little bit with injury. He's coming back, so we'll see what happens. That That's always been a tricky dynamic uh, to maneuver there. Um, and this is a kind of guy where I really would only add him if it's like a start to tight end league or I had just like swung and missed on basically every tight end that I tried to go through this year. Like he's not the kind of guy that if I only have to start one and I have a good starter and a reliable backup, I'm probably not making this move. But if you know one of the you don't you can't check one of those boxes, then yeah, I, I would go maybe take a look at Brent Strange here. Yeah, and I think there's a little bit of NFL potential there as well. Very athletic guy. Um, he's got solid size, not great, but solid. 6'3, 246 pounds. Um, you know, Penn State produces freaky athletes, especially at the tight end position in the last couple of years. So I could see him getting drafted, hanging around on a roster. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of NFL potential there as well. Uh, but moving into watch list guys, these are guys that I'm not picking up yet. Just, you know, ones you want to put hit the little star icon on, keep an eye on. And if they do it again, then maybe we're adding them. Uh, first up here, Tyler Scott, wide receiver for Cincinnati. Uh, he is 1% owned on fan tracks. Um, he's a junior too. So you do get him for two years, which makes him a little bit more intriguing. Huge week last week, 10 catches, 185 yards, three touchdowns against Indiana, um, 37 targets through four games on the year. He's got back-to-back games over a hundred yards. Uh, started off a little slow with 12 and 13 fantasy points to start the year, but past two weeks, 26 fantasy points, 46 fantasy points. Um, this uh, Cincinnati passing offense has not been quite as bad as what we thought it was going to be with Ben Bryant under center and Ben Bryant's still not good, but it looks like he might be able to support Tyler Scott as a fantasy relevant wide receiver. I'm not sold on it yet. Matchups are going to get, you know, uh, you know, we'll see how that shakes out, but um, Tyler Scott's a guy I'm watching. Uh, Keanu Hill, wide receiver at BYU, is another guy that we are monitoring. 1% rostered on fan tracks. And, you know, again, this is watch list. Five for 160 and two last week, but uh, ceiling has really been about four for 40 the previous couple of weeks. Uh, has been getting targeted, you know, 19 on the year. So not super high volume. And this isn't a, a super high volume passing attack, but we've kind of been trying to figure out, you know, while Puka ain't going to Romney are out who comes in here and then when those guys move on, who steps up next uh, and, and Hill is certainly a name to watch. So uh, hit the little star icon next to his name. Uh, we'll keep an eye on him over the next few weeks. Yeah. And you know, like you said, Nasua and Romney and Chase Roberts have all been out. So they may come back too. That's why we're kind of watch listing him here, but as a sophomore intriguing name, uh, another underclassman to keep an eye on here, Jared Brown, wide receiver for Coastal Carolina. He is a freshman, uh, 5% owned on fan tracks, and he had a huge week this week. Uh, five catches, 129 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, by far, you know, best performance of his on the year. He'd been pretty disappointing up until that point. Um, total on the year, 17 targets, 14 catches, 253 yards, and two touchdowns. But... Uh, Sam Pinckney has been like the leading wide receiver for this team. Uh, you know, I would expect that to continue this year as well, but he's gone after this year. Jared Brown looks like he could be the guy to step up. You know, DeAndre Coleman is a guy that we thought as an incoming freshman could be the one to do that. Jared Brown's been the one earning the playing time now. So keeping an eye on him, he's probably more of a very end of the year, last waiver pickup kind of a guy in hopes that, you know, maybe he ends up making some noise in the spring for next year, but I'm not looking to pick him up now. 
Oh, well, I, I did that today too, actually, in that, that league we were talking about earlier. As so. a 20, that's a 20 team league though. Super deep league. So I don't hate it. Um, Sean Shiver is another guy here. I'm not a huge fan of his, but we put him on the list here because he is getting touches at Indiana, and I think that's worth noting. Indiana has not been super effective running the ball this year, but but 19 carries this week, 79 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, had another touchdown last week. He's very touchdown dependent right now. So, again, just highlight his name, pay attention. If Indiana looks pretty good the next few weeks, uh, then, then go after him. But this is more of a passing offense at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely more of a passing offense. But if you need RB help that doesn't seem like there's a lot out there right now, Sean Shiver is a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, last guy on our list here we have is Devontae Walker, wide receiver for Kent State. Uh, he is 1% owned out there right now. He And I'm pretty sure every single one of those 1% is probably Nate Marquise. Um, this is Walker is a sophomore, um, so you know he's got a lot of eligibility left there easily two years after this year. I don't think he's a guy who's going to leave early. Uh, he is playing behind Dante Cephas. Dante Cephas is the number one wide receiver in that offense. But Kent State's about to get into uh, action play here, like we talked about earlier with Curtis O'Rourke. And once you get into action play, that's where you take these guys. That's where you take Dante Cephas for. That's what you take Colin Schley for, the guys like that. So as we're getting into that, this is a guy you want to keep an eye on here. He's averaging five targets per game. Uh, he has a touchdown in every single game this year, except the game against Oklahoma. And he's played a murderer's row of opponents. You know, they started out the year with Washington, then they got Oklahoma. They played Georgia this past week, you know, three top teams. Um, and he's been playing well against them. So as he gets into match and play, we could see him explode. All right, that's going to do it for waiver wire here. Um, let's go into, you know, we've been doing some real or imagine, but we're about a month into the season now. So we're, we're probably not going to play that game too much anymore. We're probably going to highlight kind of a different topic here each week. And I wanted to cover some Debbie stuff here, Colin, because first off, Mike Valerie here at campus to Canton, a uh, member of our Debbie team, um, consistently tells us that we don't have enough Debbie content on the podcasts. Uh, he calls Debbie debate, college football debate. Um, and then certainly, you know, we, we skew CFS slash C2C here, just purely due to the format. But so let's talk some Debbie Colin. And we, we got some topics for each position. Well, not tight end, but as everybody knows, we completely ignore that on this show. Um, I, I want to assess some different values here. Let's start a quarterback. And I think I just have, you know, Jackson Dart. I think I'm completely writing him off at this stage Colin. he's not been very good here to start the season for old miss we had a lot of expectations for him coming over from usc he's completing about 62 percent of his passes uh five touchdowns two interceptions um you know four in four games he has fewer than 700 yards he hasn't been very good uh i've dropped him i believe I uh, definitely out of my top 10. Uh, he's close to out of my top 15. I, I don't really know what to do with him, but I don't, I, I wouldn't draft him anywhere ever unless he just falls precipitously. See, and that's actually, I, I disagree with you here on this one. I mean, I've definitely dropped dart. Um, I, you know, I have him, I believe like QB nine, QB 10 there, but they just have not been asking him to throw the ball much. They have just, they're like the fourth leading team in the country, rushing the ball. They are leaning, really heavily on Evans and Quinshawn Judkins. And 
they uh, Kiffin has kind of been using Dart as a game manager um, of sorts. Now he has thrown two pretty bad interceptions. Uh, um, you know, a little bit of questionable decision making from him at times, but he is still looking like the player, um, you know, in the actual games that we kind of thought he was going to be. Um, a little bit raw, you know, a little bit of a gunslinger at times, but he's got all these tools. And, you know, I, I make it a point to to go back. And, you know, my Mondays are my days where when I'm working from home, I'll throw on games on TV. I threw on the old Miss one here today, and he made some really nice throws um, last weekend. And it was against Tulsa, not the best opponent there, but he's still making these some nice throws. He still has the arm talent there. I'm not ready to write off Jackson Dart. That being said, like I said, I have dropped him a good bit. And while I haven't dropped him out of the top 10 yet, it's more just because I don't love any of the other guys that have been around him there. I mean, Anthony Richardson has not looked good. Tyler Van Dyke has not looked good. Devin Leary has not looked good. Um, You know, some of these other guys that were up there too, you know, Tyler Buckner, all of those guys have fallen I don't feel that great about some of these other guys' pro potentials behind him. I still think there's a shot with Dart. I think as they get into SEC play here, we are going to learn a lot more about Dart. Uh, once you know they get Kentucky this week, that's going to be an interesting matchup. They get other tough matchups here in the SEC. That is where I'm really going to make my decision on Dart. So I've dropped him a little bit. I'm not ready to write him off yet. I want to see it uh, as we get into SEC play. Are you suggesting that I need to actually watch the games to form an opinion? It does usually help. Now mm-hmm. you can just look at some stats. Perfect. You know. I'll stop I know there. you're I know you're big uh big analytics guy, big nerd, bow tie guy. <laughs> um yeah, I just don't think he's looked particularly good. I actually didn't get to watch this week's game yet. Um but one other thing I will say about Dart, mm-hmm. though, is he needs to get down and stop taking some of these hits. Man, he, you know, cool, yeah, awesome that you're this gritty guy that, you know, lowers your shoulder and takes on some guys. And he did it once, too, and it actually worked where he lowered his shoulder and trucked a DB. Uh, but there was another play in this game against Tulsa where he t- takes off down the sideline 20 yards running on the sideline as a guy coming up to him. And he can easily just step out of bounds and he lowers his shoulder and tries to take a hit there. They're totally unnecessary, uh, which I think shows a little bit of the immaturity here. So, you know, we'll we'll need to see that as well. But he doesn't have a lot of starts under his belt. Lane Kiffin must send these QBs out like coked up and ready to hit somebody because Matt Corral (laughs) did the same thing (laughs) last year. I don't I don't know what the reasoning was for that. Um, Yeah, I just I, I don't think that he's he's developed much as a passer from this from last year to this year, which I think is the big red flag. For well, him. we'll he see was if split, they'll open it up a little bit, but he was also splitting reps all off season two, you know, um, which not a good sign for him either. But um, stop now trying that to convince me, Colin. You're not now, going to convince me <laughs> now that he's actually the starting quarterback. You know, last two weeks he's gotten essentially all of the meaningful snaps and, and reps in the games. Um, I think that's going to help it with his confidence and his development as well. Cause we, one of the things we noted in week one is he just did not look confident. You know, he looked like he was trying to not lose the job. Now that it looks like he hasn't lost it. Let's see if he can open it up in sec play. I would still advocate trading him if you can personally. Um, I don't know. What can you get for him though? I think the public perception is a lot of it is on is where you're at. 
Well, he should have been doing that all offseason, but you that was free real estate. You got that dude for nothing last year. Should should have been moving him. Um and just picked up the extra value. One other guy, I didn't put him on the sheet here, Colin. I actually got to watch uh all of this game uh or very close to it. I'm still not impressed with JJ McCarthy at all. He got the job by going 11 for 12 against Hawaii in a half. <laughs> Hawaii is a very bad team. This past game, you can see the tools. Like I, this is the same thing with Anthony Richardson. Like you can see the tools. Like I'm not an idiot. I see he has a very nice arm. He likes to push the ball downfield, um, and, and he can move around and do a lot of stuff off platform. But hot damn, does this dude struggle in a normal offense, man? He. When they asked him to do quick three-step, even some five-step stuff there, he – basically, when, when they they limit the field to, like, half the field and they, like, roll him out and stuff, and they basically give him, like, you know, you go here, you go here. Those are your two reads. Just very, very well. If you ask him to do anything more than that, and he still really, really struggles, that was my big rub on him coming into college. Everyone was tooting his horn. I'm watching this game this past week. I'm like, are we are we watching the same game? Like, he's missing guys deep. He's all over the place. Um, he wasn't making any terrible mistakes, which I think is actually good. But like I, I, I've seen people bumping him up into like a first round NFL draft pick conversation. I think we're really far away from actually having that discussion. I don't, I don't think we're even close to there yet. Um, but again, I see the tools. The tools have always been there. We'll see what he can do over the next couple of years there at Michigan. Yeah, I don't. I'm not ready to put him in the first round conversation yet either. And um, he is a guy that has risen for me in my rankings. And it's more that other guys have fallen down around him. Um, Clay Millen is another guy right. that, you know, I had some hope for, at least in C2C leagues, um, who has not looked particularly good either. Like quarterback position this year has just been pretty disappointing overall. Uh, very few risers. But J.J. McCarthy kind of rises by default a little bit there. Um, definitely is the tools. I did not get to watch much of this one here. I was at a wedding this weekend. Stop having weddings in the fall on Saturdays, people, please. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not really in on the McCarthy hype yet either. I'm, you know, I'm a little bit more cautious both ways, a little bit more cautious to move somebody up, a little bit more cautious to move somebody down at the quarterback position. So I'm not not willing to move him up. I'm not standing firm on that, but I, I need to see it in Big Ten play first. Yeah, if you're going to have a wedding in the fall, do it like a normal person. Have a giant wedding in the Outer Banks and rent out a couple of houses for all your friends and family. To On stay a Wednesday. For the whole yes. Because um, <laughs> that wasn't in the Caymans. Joke's on you, Colin. That's where I was last week. Still um, a beach. It was taking care of business, though. You weren't wrong. Um, running back, Colin. Let's shift over here. And the first topic that I had, the, the 2023 running back class has been a, a very big discussion piece for the past couple years now. And at the time is kind of finally getting here. We're really, really excited for this group. What does your top 10 look like right now? Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first on, on our list here? Uh, I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, so I have my, so I, I went through my top 30 Debbie running backs currently. And I had my top 10 here, and then I had to list out the honorable mentions that would get me to that 30. Guys, I have uh, six, 17 uh, backs from this class in my top 30 right now. 
So uh, just crazy, crazy depth to this class overall. And yes, I'm aware that not all these guys will come out, but I think a good amount of them will. We have Bijan at one. I have Zach Evans at two. I know this will be a discussion piece because you have uh, Jameer Gibbs at two and, and Evans at three, but I have Evans at two. Gibbs, I, I still really like him as a receiving back, but hasn't been great as a rusher this year. Number four, I do have Tank Bigsby still there. Uh, he's flashed enough this year that I'll keep him uh, that high. Number five, Sean Tucker, Syracuse. I know uh, you probably can't get day two draft capital, according to Colin, but I still think he's a talented kid there. Number six, Jace McClellan at uh, Alabama. I think he's he's flashed this year. He's kind of shown us again what we like about him, and he's been better as a runner than he has been in the past. Um, definitely better on that end of things. He has a three-down skill set. Like He's not going to be heavily used in college, but I think we could see a Josh Jacobs type uh, rise for him during draft season. He might not go in the first round, but I, I I really could see that as a guy that just doesn't have a lot of tread mixed up in a very heavy backfield there. Bama number seven, Kenny McIntosh at Georgia. Yeah, I'm finally sold. Um, he's been very good for them this year. Very versatile, can do a lot as a pass catcher. Number eight, Blake Corum. I actually have Corum in my top 10 here in the class. He's risen the past couple weeks for me. He's looked really, really good there for Michigan. Uh, as basically a lead bell cow back. The big question for him, how heavy can he get? Every guy I have ahead of him, probably, except for maybe Gibbs, can hit 210+. plus. I don't think Quorum can get there. Devin Achain, number nine. I don't feel great about this one. He is such a hedge for me because he is a very explosive athlete, and I want to see what he looks like uh, after track season is over here at the Combine. Number 10, Zach Charbonnet, UCLA back. Uh, straight line, big, fast. Uh, we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll kind of see what his profile looks like at the end of the year here. But here's where it gets interesting. I have some honorable mentions here. And again, I said I had 17 backs out of the top 30 in this class. In order here, I have Jabari Small at Tennessee at number 11. EJ Smith, the running back from Stanford at number 12. Izzy Abanaconda at 13. And I think you could even bump him up a couple spots if you wanted. Jalen Berger at Michigan State is 14. Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn's at 15. Like, this is a very good running back class. Um, Evan Hall at 16. So that's at 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, 16, 16 backs in the top 30. Evan Hall uh, receiving back extraordinaire there for Northwestern. I mean, that's that's a heavy, heavy group. And there were even a couple guys uh, right behind them there. I just, I love this running back class. I'm a very big proponent of a rookie class is only as good as the running backs or the quarterbacks. And I think that's why last class, year's class was not particularly good. That's why I think this year's class is very, very good. This could rival 2017, in my opinion. So, um, wait a minute. You're telling me that Kenny McIntosh, Blake Corum, Devin Achain, and Zach Charbonnet are all good running backs and all in your top 10. Um, where do you see them getting drafted? So specifically, which back do you want me to talk? Like, which What's the highest back that you were pointing at, McIntosh? Yeah, Kenny McIntosh, Blake Corum, um, Devin Achain, and Charbonnet. I think depending on the NFL team, I could see any of that, any of those guys going in the third round. <gasps> is that day two? That is day two. Last time I checked, Sean Tucker was five okay. though, so you conveniently okay. Uh, okay. ignored him. Yeah, I think I can see this year's <laughs> class having maybe eight backs go. Well, that seems heavy. Six, seven backs go day day one, day two. Like it just feels for, like that heavy of a class for that. That's what because it's not a big O line class. It's not a big quarterback class, and the receivers have been a little disappointing. Although I think that that group will shape up. So like there's not, there's not a lot of positions here that I think are are super super strong. So yeah, I think 
this will be a heavy early RB class for the NFL. Yeah, all, uh, all, all, all sarcasm, all joking aside, I, I do completely agree with you here. And and for what it's worth, six running backs went in the uh, date went on day two or day one or two last year. Oh, so, I think I think we could get nine or ten then. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think we could we could look yeah. at eight, maybe nine, maybe even ten. Um, that's kind of where I was getting at with the whole path to draft capital thing this all offseason that everybody likes to give me crap about. But well, they're they're just talking about it real quick. You know, some of these backs have to be big mm-hmm. of these backs. There are only three that probably won't hit 210. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, f- four probably Corum, Achain, Gibbs, and Vaughn. I think all the rest of those backs will weigh in at 210 plus if they want to. At yeah. The combiner. Like they all have the frame, they all have the size. They all have very good athletic ability. Like it's, it's, it's uncanny uh, how how deep this class is. And I think twenty twenty five could hit that level too. Although obviously it's still very very early. Right. Um, my my rankings. Uh, I have Bijan at one. I do have Gibbs at two still. I think that pass catching ability just really sets him apart um, from Evans. Uh, you know, Evans is a better runner overall. I think better size too. Um, but I, I still like Gibbs a lot. It is pretty close between Evans, who's at three. Then it's a little bit more of a drop-off. I have Bigsby at four. I do have Tucker at five as well, based on skill. I still have a little bit of concern as the, as far as where he could potentially get drafted in terms of what NFL teams view him as. But I do. I never thought Tucker wasn't a talented running back. Um, I have Charbonnet at six, Blake Corum at seven, Jace McClellan at eight, Kendall Milton at nine, Devin Achain at 10. And then I have Izzy Abanaconda and Kenny McIntosh at 11 and 12. They're very close for me with that last group um, for McClellan, Milton, Achain. Um, they're all pretty close there. One guy you, you hadn't mentioned was, was Kendall Milton. So I'll just mention him a little bit here. And, you know, he hasn't been making a lot of noise, but he's quietly been, been good um, for solid, Georgia. Yeah. They, they haven't needed him. The, the passing game in, in Georgia there has, has looked good uh, early in the year here, which is not something that I was necessarily expecting. It's not something we've seen from them in the past couple of years. But Kendall Milton, 38 carries, 226 yards, four touchdowns. Um, you know, So he's looking pretty good. He's got eight missed tackles for us on the year so far. Um, so that's pretty solid as well. You know, Three catches for 47 yards, not really getting used much in the passing game. But that's because they've been using Kenny McIntosh there so much. I mean, Kenny McIntosh actually uh, has 21 catches on the year, which is crazy for a running back through like four games. Um, but I think Kendall Milton's a guy that the NFL will still like. So I think he, you know, warrants in that consideration. It's actually kind of surprising me that you have all of those other guys ahead of Milton. Milton, I believe, is I'm pulling it up right now just to double check myself on this before I quote it because I, I I did like a heavy heavy. I spent like two hours the other night just I need to, for all my rankings. I need to do Kendall that. Kendall Milton is 31. He's one spot mm-hmm. behind Evan Hall. The thing I think about Milton is that I think in the NFL he may be relegated to a two down role, and in that scenario, mm-hmm. he's just he's. I'm trying to think of like a, a guy that I would comp him to in the NFL. Like he he's he could be James Conner in the league, where if you put him on a team uh, that's either a very high functioning offense and he's in a split role, he can still produce a little bit there, but as a low end kind of RB two. And if he gets lucky and he gets on a, in a a team with a strong offense that wants to use a bell cow and he ends up being that guy, 
a la the Steelers when Connor was with them in his early years, he could have that kind of a role. But I think that's kind of his ceiling overall. Yeah. And there's honestly a couple guys right behind him too. I have Kendry Miller at 33. He's in this class. Marshawn, uh, Marshawn Lloyd at 36. Lou Nichols at 37. Uh, Dwayne McBride, 42. Chris Tyree, 43. Like uh, there, There's quite a few of these guys right right along uh, behind them that I think are interesting. But I just they they haven't quite put it together for one reason or another like the guys in front of them have. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Marshawn Lloyd's a guy who's made some some nice steps forward this year too. It's a guy that I'll be keeping an eye on as well. I don't think he's in the <laughs> he, conversation with the others yet, but he just doesn't feel super like they're not giving him the volume to be consistent on a weekly week basis. I have him. Uh, we I'm going to talk about him a little bit later here in our start sits um, where he put up like 167 yards last week or something, but he only got like 14 carries. Like, yeah, just, just a really, really nice week. Like I, he can't do that every week. So, but he, he has looked much better. It's been really nice to see him. Yeah. But yeah, I think this is a really good running back class just to top it off there um, at the top. And I do need to do a deep dive into mine and just kind of restructure some a little bit, but uh, I, this is, like you said, this could rival the 2017 class. Who's been the biggest riser overall for you? I'm not talking about 2023 specifically, although if it's a guy in that class, then feel free to share that name. But who who's really risen up the rankings for you this season, Colin? I think the biggest riser for me has to be Drake May. I mean, just... running back. Oh, this oh. Is in the running back section, bro. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that question. Uh, okay, it is under it is in the running back section. All right, all right, fair enough. I thought you were just talking in general. My apologies, misreading that show sheet. Um, people, the people have no idea what I have to work with here. It's just, <laughs> um, I think biggest riser in the running back room there. Um, I was always pretty high on Quinshawn Judkins, so I'm not going to say him. Um, Kind of the same with Macintosh and EJ Smith. I was fairly high on both of those guys. Um, I'll say Henry Parrish Jr., another guy that we didn't really mention in the 2023 running back class, but a guy who looked good through that the first two weeks of the season there. You know, Texas A&M, very good defense. Wasn't really expecting much him to do much there on that one. Um, but he's been the lead guy there. He's looked pretty solid. Uh, and it's just not something that I was expecting coming into the year, really. Now, the injury to Devontae Citizen, I think, helps. But that's not to take anything away from Parrish. He has looked good himself. Um, So I'll, yeah, I, I try not to pick up a name that I have already talked about here. Um, I, I will go Judkins, actually. So I thought I liked Miss uh, Ole Miss for him. I thought kind of like Amari and Hampton, like it was a... I don't love the talent, but I think they can do some nice college production things. But like those kind of backs are a dime a dozen. The other day. Like I don't end up ranking those guys that highly within their class uh, purely based on what I perceive to be their opportunity. And Judkins has definitely outperformed my early hopes for him. He's got really nice size. He's been very physical. Um, he he's, you know, between the tackles, he's really, really good. We'll see. I, I want to see him, you know, more as a receiver. They haven't really used him that way yet, but, but, uh, Matt Bruning seems to think he can be used that way. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but I mean, I, I had no choice. He's my RB 17 right now in Debbie. And to be honest, if I'm looking at a guy like him and I have Donovan Edwards at 16, there's a chance that I would prefer Judkins over Donovan Edwards, who hasn't done jack shit this year. Now, granted, he's been a little banged up, but like Judkins, very, very intriguing guy here. 
uh, through a couple of games. And he, I have him and Jamari and Miller right beside each other now. Like I, I really like both those guys moving forward. Yeah, I mean, those are those are definitely two um, two good calls there. Amari and Hampton is a great call so as a riser there. I mean, I wasn't really on him either that much. I know Felix was. I'm sure we'll get a message about this. Mocked and ridiculed. But, um, you know, I'm not necessarily still sold on him for Debbie purposes yet. But for CFF, he's definitely been, been a riser. All right, let's hop over to wide receivers here. And uh, actually, Mike just asked us this question like an hour ago. Um he said, are we worried about the 2023 wide receiver class? I'm like, I'm glad you asked because we're about to talk about it. Colin, are you worried overall about this group? It's not a super deep group. Like, it never was. No, I don't think it's it's not as deep as uh, as last year's group. Um, but no, I'm not really worried overall about them. Now, um, I'll need to clean this up a little bit after this week because I still had some hope for Jermaine Burton. Uh, I still had a little bit of hope for Quentin Johnston. Those guys are just continually week falling week in and week out. Jermaine Burton was okay this week, four catches for 84 yards, but Ja'Cory Brooks is the story there. You know, he looked good this week. He earned more looks, more targets. Jermaine Burton just can't seize that number one role. So he needs to fall. Not as good as what I thought he was going to be. Um, but outside of that, you know, JSN has been hurt. So that's kind of hurt the perception there a little bit. Not worried about him long term. Keishawn Boutte stepped away from the, you know, he he didn't play last reason. I think last week I think it was personal reasons or something. But you know, he's supposedly maybe back with the team. But in terms of overall talent, I'm not worried about Boutte either. And when your top two guys really aren't on the field, that makes the class look worse. And then couple that with two other guys who are ranked in most people's top five, a lot of people's top tens, also disappointing. That's going to make the class look worse overall. But Addison has looked very good. Um, Josh Downs has still been really has still been solid. Marvin Mims has looked good at times. Cedric Tillman has looked good. Um, Jalen McMillan, my guy, climbing the ranks there. Um, Zay Flowers has been the lone bright spot on Boston College there as well. So there's still some names here, even if it isn't you know quite as good as we thought it was going to be. I still think it's going to be decent. Yeah, I've um, the only the only guy that I really had a inflated opinion of. I guess there's two that have disappointed this year: Quentin Johnson and Jermaine Burton. Everybody else, like JSN's been been injured, but I think he's fine. Josh Downs was injured, but he's been very good when he's played. And then Jermaine Burton is the other one who's been who's been bad, like just hasn't lived up to what we thought he could be this year. Boutte, I'm trying not to get take locked with him. But I feel like there, there's enough smoke there about Brian Kelly and this whole team that Butte doing not that much this year doesn't like kill him in my mind. I would potentially move Jordan Addison over him. Addison's been very, 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 very good. But I still like Cedric Tillman. I think he's going to be a pretty good pro. And there might be one or two other guys that end up stepping up. So again. I think classes are the strength of a class is, is in its running backs and its quarterback. So this class, I think, you know, uh, it will still be fine. Last question here in this little segment column, and then we'll do some start sits. Which wide receiver, which wide receivers are no longer year one zeros? Something to remonitor very closely here at C2C for those that aren't familiar with the year one zero propaganda. 
so year one zero is basically basically a theory that we concocted that said that you know for guys that don't break out you know by by uh, market share uh, type metrics in their first year, how can we determine whether they can do that year two and, and kind of maintain value that way? So we came up with this theory that players that do nothing in their first year. Um, are basically never likely to do anything in college and therefore in the NFL. And we defined doing nothing in the following categories. There are eight total categories, 10 receptions, 100 receiving yards, five rush attempts, 15 rush yards, one rushing touchdown, 10 scrimmage touches total, 115 scrimmage yards, or five punt slash kick returns. These are very, very low thresholds. If a player hits none of these, they are considered a zero. Their odds of hitting in the NFL are just so minimal. I believe the only guys that have hit a top uh, 12 season uh, that, that were year one zeros were Jarvis Landry, Tyreek Hill, and DK Metcalf. Metcalf was injured. Tyreek Hill wasn't actually a wide receiver as a freshman. So really, Jarvis Landry is the only one who's ever done it. Go figure. Um, we've crossed a couple of names off the list here so far, which is great news for these guys. Now, if you're not a zero... Like, if we're about to name your name, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a good player, but it means that you probably aren't terrible. So here's here's the list that we've got so far. Luther Burden, wide receiver at Missouri, uh, no longer a zero. Evan Stewart, wide receiver at Texas A&M. Tet McMillan at Arizona. Antonio Williams, my guy, at Clemson. Barry and Brown and Dane Key, both at Kentucky, both no longer zeros. Jeremy Bernard at Michigan State. Kobe Prentice at Alabama, Jordan Hudson at TCU, and Matthew Golden at Houston. It should also be noted that in terms of um, data set that we've used in the past, we've usually cut it off at top 300 players according to the 24-7 composite because the likelihood of a player even getting drafted below that are super, super small. Anyway, we're interested in these premium, premium players. Um, so, so that, that is worth noting there. So there are probably some lower rated wide receivers that have hit, um, and that's good for them, but we don't necessarily care for these purposes. So Colin, anything stand out to you? There aren't a ton of other guys that are close and we track this, by the way, we have like this really cool tracker that we do for our NIL members in the discord. Um, so I have some handy dandy charts and stuff here in front of me that I'm looking at, but any names stand out here to you, Colin, on first glance that, that you're surprised have broken the threshold already. Uh, well, I think if you had asked me in like the spring, Kobe Prentice would obviously be the, the most surprising name on this list here, but sure. you know, entering fall camp and, and when he started the year for Alabama uh, in, in three wide receiver sets, pretty confident he was going to hit that eventually. Uh, I think the two most surprising to me are. Um, Antonio Williams and Jeremy Bernard, Antonio Williams is a guy that I liked a lot. I know you were a big fan of his as well. I just didn't know he, if he was going to get on the field right away. Um, you know, they had Brendan Spector there as well. You know, they have so many bodies at the wide receiver position that Antonio Williams had to climb over some of them. And I didn't know if he would necessarily get there. I figured he probably would by the end of the year, but he's hit this earlier than I expected. Uh, same kind of along the thing align lines with um, Jeremy Bernard, you know, a guy that we we I thought was talented, um, but they had you know Keon Coleman was there and Jaden Reed. I figured they'd also be a more run heavy team. Um, Reed has been injured, and that's kind of led to Bernard getting on the field. But he's he's looked good with those opportunities as well. So those would probably be my two mo biggest surprises. 
Um, so I think two two final points here on this call in one we have found that the likelihood of you breaking out later if you hit more than one of these thresholds uh, significantly increases specifically if you start hitting four five six seven of them um, so some of these guys are, are well on the way there some guys that are close right now uh, Chris Marshall uh, getting close in a few categories as a bond at Alabama uh, we're, we're seeing some progress there for him denial on Morissette at Georgia and then just one name, and then again, if you if you get crossed off this list, it doesn't necessarily mean you're good. But Omar Cooper Jr., who's literally the last wide receiver to hit this cutoff, he's at Indiana, has four kick returns. So he'll be off the list, uh, maybe a name just to monitor there. And then a couple of guys that if you were really big on them, you might want to start sweating a little bit. DJ Allen currently has not registered a single tally in any of these categories um aaron anderson been injured for alabama but we do not account for injury injury you know it doesn't seem to to matter one way or the other uh same with emmanuel henderson there at alabama uh shaz preston at alabama not doing much cj williams at usc a popular name not doing too much to this point andre green has basically nothing going on for him at unc Pretty much all the Ohio State wide receivers look like they might end up being zeros, at least at this stage. Um, Isaiah Sectegna is a really uh, surprising one to me, as is Jaden Gibson. Sectegna at Arkansas, Jaden Gibson at Oklahoma. Um, those are kind of the – and DJ Allen has not registered anything either. So if those were any uh, you know, a list of guys that maybe you are really high on, Maybe you start considering selling them as the season goes on if they're not getting close to any of these. Because, again, it is kind of a death sentence if you're not hitting any of these. I mean, it basically means you're not playing at all. This is almost a surrogate for snaps, but there are some guys that, that get out there and do nothing with snaps anyway. So um, any final thoughts from you, Colin, before we do some start sits here? Oh, let's get into it. Cool. All right. Then moving on, last segment here tonight, guys, start sits. Look, um, being on vacation for the past week, not only did I not submit anything for last week for start sets, I also didn't get to score week two yet. So, or week three yet. So, um, we will have an updated score. I scored for mine. You. I hit. You did. On yeah, you went I twenty on, and zero. Oh, yeah, twenty and zero. Nailed. <laughs> How'd you do? Oh, I did actually score my last week's here, but um, I you know we'll. We can we can hold off okay. until okay. we until we both release them. Cool. Okay. I'll let you score them as well. All right. So um yeah, to see if there's any discrepancies. I, I really grade you harshly. Um I know usually you when I'm doing this. All right. So let's let's go ahead here, Colin. Uh again, for anybody that, that hasn't heard us do these before, ten starts, ten sits. We do not share these lists ahead of time. We can have the same name, that's okay, but we're just gonna give you uh, these are non obvious starts, so we're not saying start. B. John Robinson, everybody knows to start B. John Robinson. We might tell you to sit B. John Robinson if he has a tough matchup. Um, but Colin, go ahead. And again, we will toss out some disclaimers in here. Like, I'm saying start this guy, but you probably have a better option. Like, you, But as bye weeks and stuff start, start piling up here, you may not. So don't just take us naming a guy as gospel, throwing him in your lineup. But, you know, do a, do a, a semi-intelligent assessment of your, your other options before you go ahead and do that. Yeah, I, I think that's a big important factor here is we're naming non-obvious guys. You probably have obvious guys. Like, don't start these guys over the obvious names. Yep. These are like, you know, 
bye week fill-ins, flex play options, guys that we like to outperform that maybe you know you're you're not necessarily thinking about. There, there's a reason why we usually bat about fifty-five to sixty percent on these guys. Yeah, these these are not you know again super obvious names. Yeah, yeah. Um, my first start here that I have is Montrell Johnson, uh, running back for Florida. Uh, they have a pre- pretty heavy three-way split there between him and ETN and Naquan Wright. Um, but he's uh, Montreal Johnson's been the most efficient running back on the team here. Uh, and the they play Eastern Washington this week. Eastern Washington's defense has given up 290 yards rushing to Tennessee State, 355 yards rushing to Montana State, and 263 yards rushing to Oregon, which is actually their lowest amount on the year. Um, I think Florida is going to absolutely run all over these guys. Would not surprise me to see Montreal Johnson break off like a 60-yard touchdown run. Um, I think he's a nice play this week. I'm starting Miles Davis. Talked about him earlier. I'm picking him up, BYU, and I'm thrusting him right into my lineup. They play Utah State this week, guys. Utah State is a bottom 20 unit against the run. And BYU, I think game script-wise, this plays out well for him. I think they'll get ahead early. I think they'll just try to grind this out. Again, we're not sure what's going on with the wide receivers there, but I think this is the perfect opportunity to get Davis some touches, over 100 yards, and a touchdown at least this week. Book it. I love it. Uh, I am going back to the well from last week here. I'm starting Marshawn Lloyd again um, this week. Uh, 15 carries, 169 yards, three touchdowns last week. Um, He has double-digit carries in every game so far. So they are using him um you know he's getting some sort of volume he has a touchdown in every game except for georgia they've had a rougher start to the year in terms of their schedule but last week they had a cupcake in charlotte this week they have a cupcake in south carolina state um i'm firing up marshawn lloyd again this week i am also starting marshawn lloyd this week i had a feeling because you mentioned like we'll talk about him later in the start sit segments yeah, I don't I, love the touch differential. Like Beal Smith and some of those guys get a decent amount of touches. But yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, I, as against South Carolina State, yeah, I think he can get a couple scores, which is what really he's relying on at this stage for, for big fantasy production. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, soft matchup, so I like that one. Uh, my next start here is Keaton Mitchell running back for ECU. Um, you know, he... He's been solid at times and, and not in other times. Um, you know, last week he only had five carries for five yards against Navy. Uh, not the performance that you wanted to see. He also struggled against NC State in the opener here. Um, but Keaton Mitchell's the kind of guy that you sit in tough matchups and start in soft matchups. And this is a very soft matchup here. Uh, they get uh, USF. USF is 116th ranked defense on football outsiders. Uh, this is a Keaton Mitchell week. Start Jatavian Sanders tight end at Texas. This is Ooh. predicated on Quinn Ewers being back this week. I'm predicting that he will be back again. I don't like I I'm, I'm accountable for this on whether Quinn Ewers plays or not, but I'm telling you the people in practice, if Quinn Ewers isn't back, I wouldn't do this, but Xavier worthy. We talked about earlier. He's banged up. Not a lot of other options there. I think Ewers, um, uh, they'll pass the ball a little bit more here in this one, uh, and I like him to have a nice week here. Interesting. 
Interesting. Um, uh, he may be making an appearance for me later. Oh, in the outro. That's yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, my next start here is Trey Palmer. Um, like he's had good volume this year. He's been consistent, but not really flashy. Uh, so, you know, you're going to start him and, you know, I feel like you could be pretty confident. He's going to get you about 15 points, but I think this week, He's going to have a big week. Um, they play Indiana. Indiana is a very bad pass defense. They got shredded by Cincinnati and Ben Bryant last week. Um, you know, we talked about um, um, Tyler Scott and the big game that he had last week. Um, Isaiah Williams also went over 100 yards and a touchdown against Indiana's defense. They are just not a good defense, and they do have a good offense, though. So I think this is going to be a little bit more of a shootout. And they're going to have to get Trey Palmer involved. So I like him this week. I'm starting Bryce Ford Wheaton, wide receiver for West Virginia. He's had two not very good weeks in a row here, but it seems like he gets a lot more involved when West Virginia is playing like an actual opponent and they're not just blowing somebody out. Um, I think that's going to be the case uh, for West Virginia this week. Uh, don't ask me who they play. I forgot to write it down. Uh, but it is a more difficult matchup, and so I, I foresee him, uh, you know, a hundred plus yards and a touchdown again for him this week. Maybe even two touchdowns. Uh, my next start here, I have uh, Zach Evans, uh, running back for Ole Miss. Look, everybody's been kind of forgetting about him a little bit because of Judkins and all the performances that Judkins had and how good he's looked. Um, but Zach Evans has two hundred yard games under his belt. Ole Miss has kind of been blowing teams out. They were up 35 to 17 at the half. Um, you know, Zach Evans exited with a medical issue. So obviously something to keep an eye on. It doesn't sound serious. Um, and Kentucky is not quite as tough of a matchup as people think it is. Um, they gave up 111 yards rushing to Miami of Ohio, 136 yards rushing to Florida. Um, so they are, you know, a, a solid defense, but not a matchup that you need to avoid. So I'm firing up Evans this week. Interesting. In a big um, game. It is a big game big for game. them. Yeah. Uh, I'm starting uh, Quian Williams this week, wide receiver for Buffalo. Uh, Miami of Ohio is who they get this week. They are not a very good pass defense. And Williams has been pretty good so far this season. Target-wise, he's got 40 total through four games uh never dipped lower than eight and he's usually pretty uh dang uh, uh efficient with the opportunities that he's given uh, a touchdown in three games three straight games actually um so i i think that he does the same thing again this week uh my next start here i have max dugan uh quarterback tcu uh he's the solidified starter for sonny dykes's offense at this point we know that's a guy that we like, a guy that we want to start most weeks. Uh, 390 yards and five touchdowns, and then 278 yards and three touchdowns the last two weeks. Um, Oklahoma, They get Oklahoma this week, who was pretty solid before the last week, but they just got absolutely torched by Adrian Martinez. Um, I think Max Dugan, you know, threat on the ground as well. I think he'll put up a nice week this week. That's interesting. I, I would would not pick him to start personally. Um, but that's, that's why we're not here. he's on there. We're not here to disagree. So I'll move along. 
I'm starting Dante Cephas and Devontae Walker. What, what? Bonus Ooh. pick. Um, yeah, these don't always work out for us because uh, we have to hit them both. But Ohio is statistically the worst pass defense in the college in the country currently. So uh, I'll I'll uh, I I think both of them are startable this week. I one of them's not going to hit 20 points, which is our threshold. But I think they both have pretty dang good weeks here. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. We have a 20 point threshold there, so you know sometimes it's tough to hit both of them, like the whole Trey Potts thing. Um, but I, I like the call, on which, both of them, so. which the people spoke, by the way, we gave that to Colin. Thank you, people. He got 19.9 points. We Thank gave. you, people. We did. Um, I actually had somebody else one from one of my start sits last week hit 19.9 points as well. Weird. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's impressive. You did it twice. We didn't have that happen at all last year. I know. Um, my next start here, uh, Jordan Travis, quarterback for Florida State. Uh, 321 yards and a touchdown last week uh, coming off of that injury there. Um, it looked pretty good. And then wake is good offense, not a good defense. They just gave up 371 yards and five touchdowns to DJU. Uh, I think Jordan Travis can have a nice week. Uh, I'm starting Chris Thornton who did nothing last week against app state, but I think he's going to get back on track this week for uh, JMU. So Chris Thornton, wide receiver JMU. Get him out there. I like that. Don't shy off of him. Um, tough week. Uh, next guy I'm starting here is a guy that maybe you just picked up off your waiver wire in Curtis O'Rourke. Um, look, I think at Kent State. Very, very bad defense. Um, and like we talked about before, Curtis O'Rourke has been very good against teams that are not Penn State. Uh, and he's been doing it on the ground as well. Um, you know, he had, um, 14 carries and a touchdown in, in the one game and 10 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown in the other one. Um, you know, high volume passer, getting it on, on the ground, uh, actually has 80% completion percentage on 84 attempts, um, for, or 85 attempts, sorry, in the games, not against Penn state and Iowa state as well. So very efficient. Uh, I'm firing up over work. Um, next up for me, um, uh, Marshall Lloyd's next. Dalton Kincaid with mm-hmm. Brant Queasy done for the year here. The tight ends have been the large, large majority of that passing offense for Utah. Um, you know, they, they really run heavily through the tight ends there. Um, we'll see what the offense looks like without you know dual tight ends. Do they just roll out another guy? Do they they shift some things around? I don't know, but I do think Kincaid, um, they, they've kind of alternated weeks. I think it'll kind of be his show here moving forward. So I'm, I'm definitely starting Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, I like that call there, especially, um, like you said, with the news about uh, Kweethi. Uh, next guy I'm starting here is Jaden Delara. Uh, he's been pretty solid this year, 26, 24, 22 fantasy points, but never really great. Um, last week, 400 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. But they get Colorado this week. That's one of the worst teams in the country, P5 or G5. Um, I, I would start Jaden Delara and and you know, other options in that offense confidently. How deep into that offense would you go? Um, I would probably, well, obviously Jacob Cowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably start Tet McMillan as well. You would. Okay. Yeah, I would probably start him. I'm not going to put him with Jaden Delara here. No balls. Because of game theory. No and balls. I have two things later um, that are a little bit more ballsy. But... Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, maybe um, uh, the the running back, um, Wiley. Mm, okay. I might start him as well. 
I'm starting Johnny Wilson this week. Why does he Florida State? I think he's kind of established himself as the guy there. Um, and I, I think he's just due for another uh, big week. And for the record, he's playing pretty well for fantasy purposes. This does not make him a good NFL prospect, guys. It still <laughs> is not a good NFL prospect, but startable this week for CFF. So baby steps. Um, my last one here, uh, Elijah Badger, wide receiver for Arizona State. Uh, he has been he's been solid so far this year. Uh, six catches for 91 yards at a touchdown, seven for 88 and five for 76. Um, you know, he's been pretty clearly the focal point of this offense in a dumpster fire of a team, but they're going to have to pass the ball against USC. Now, I know Oregon State kept them in check, but I'm not confident that Arizona State can do that with how dysfunctional they are and with the talent on that roster. Uh, they're going to have to throw the ball. So I think Elijah Badger is going to have a big week. Uh, last one for me is Jalen Berger. And this is like a total, um, I don't have like a ton of statistical whatever to back this up, but they've had, he's had a couple of down weeks. I think this is a get right week against Maryland from Michigan State. They, Maryland doesn't have a great rush defense. Um, so, and, and with Jaden Reed still kind of being iffy, like I think they'll run the ball a little more this game. So I, I like Jalen Berger uh, this week against Maryland. All right, Colin, you want to give us your 10? I'll give my 10, and then we'll move on to the next uh, the, the sits here. Sounds good. Uh, first one, I have Montrell Johnson, Marshawn Lloyd, Keaton Mitchell, Trey Palmer, Zach Evans, Max Dugan, Jordan Travis, Curtis O'Rourke, Jaden Delara, Elijah Badger. Yeah, Colin gave you a lot of quarterbacks this week. Uh, and my 10 are uh, Miles Davis, Jatavian Sanders, Bryce Ford Wheaton, Quian Williams, Dante Cephas, Slash Devontez Walker, Chris Thornton, Marshawn Lloyd, Dalton Kincaid, Johnny Wilson, and Jalen Berger. On to the sits, Colin. I'm sitting the golden boy this week. I'm sitting Jade Knott. Washington State. <laughs> you also have him? The, it's not who I thought the golden boy was going to be. Who do you think the golden boy was? I had no idea. Oh. <laughs> not not Jade Knott. was not expecting that. Okay. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, 35th ranked rush defense in the country. Washington State has on a per touch basis. I think Cal gets down early. I think they uh, he gets game scripted out a little bit. I think this is a down week for him. I think like 70 yards and maybe he scores a touchdown. But, you know, you you would not be particularly happy with that type of performance. Yeah, he's not a guy that I had on my list, but he's a guy that I was considering for sure. Um. My sit here in this, I'm realizing this one's a little bit soft. Um, so I oh, apologize God. here. Uh, Christopher Brooks, um, rough start here for him. It looks like he's completely faded out of this offense. Miles Davis looks like he's the guy. Um, so Christopher Brooks, first name I put on the list before I really dove into some of the other stuff. So I apologize. That one's a little soft. Uh, all right. Um, next up for me. Where to go here? Is I have Will better Shipley. ones. I promise. Will Shipley, running back from Clemson. I'm sitting him this week. You're praying for a touchdown, basically, to make him fantasy relevant in any given week. Uh, they get NC State this week. I think they're going to have a much more difficult time moving the ball overall. I think you know we're seeing 70 yards and like no touchdowns this week is my guess for Will Shipley. Not like a horrendous week, but uh, again, that that's that's sitable for sure. Yeah, my next sit here is J.J. McCarthy. Um, you know, he only had 17 fantasy points last week uh, against Maryland. 
So, you know, I, I just, I don't think he is a viable fantasy option really at this point, especially as they get into big 10 play, they get JJ McCarthy, or I mean, they get um, Iowa this week. Iowa is the number three defense in the country on football outsiders. They play slow. Um, I'm not trusting JJ McCarthy this week. Uh, I just realized real quick as we were doing this show that um, Miles Davis, we kept saying it, and I was like, why do I like know that name? You remember, uh, uh, was it Billy? Billy, Billy Madison? Cohen? Billy Madison. Billy Madison. Like, if he, if he, your pants is oh, cool, I think that, me, Miles Davis. I think that every single time we say his name, uh, uh, Miles Davis, Miles Davis, famous trumpet player. Too fun, too fun. And also potentially famous football player someday. I'm Maybe. sitting Quentin Johnson this week. I'm tired of his crap. We're benching him until further notice. Your guys are welcome. It means he's going to go off this week, but I'm tired of watching him uh, continue to do nothing with a mediocre amount of targets and a mediocre offense. They play Oklahoma this week. Oklahoma, this is not the week to get Oklahoma if you're TCU. I know he did very well against them last week. Oklahoma, after crap in the bed last week against Kansas State, they're going to be ready. I think that this is going to be a bloodbath personally. Uh, and I think QJ uh, has a, a bad week. I do think Oklahoma is going to handle TCU, but I think that's going to lead to some volume for Dugan, but I'm fully on board with sitting Quentin Johnston. I think last week I said he was a sit until further notice for me. So totally on okay, board with that cool. one. Then yeah, this will be my, I'll, I'll, I'll put that on there too. I can't, I can't <laughs> name him again until he does some things. Fair enough. Um, my next sit here is, Everybody on Mississippi State, not named Will Rogers, <laughs> and maybe is, Will Rogers too. Is um, this legal? If you, I need to check the refs. This... <laughs> They're saying it's good. Okay, you can do that. Um, I, I want to. I didn't want to put Will Rogers on here only for the caveat of you may not have a better option. Like he's going to have, he's going to throw the ball a ton. But for the purposes of this start sit contest, I will put Will Rogers on here. So for the purposes of this, sit everybody on Mississippi State. They play A and M. Uh, that's a that's a good defense. Still, look, they they've been very good all year, except for the end of that Appalachian State game. Um, you know where, where they gave that up. But I think people kind of have a misconception of that defense, maybe a little bit. But this is still very good defense. Um, in terms of the wide receivers. They have seven players with double-digit catches. They have four players over 20 targets, um, eight players with double-digit targets. The RB's carry split is 36 to 29. Like these, The usage here is just unpredictable any given week. So I'm not starting anybody on Mississippi State. If you have to start Will Rogers, I understand it. Mr. Rogers. Uh, I'm sitting Jared Bradley this week. Uh, we thought he could be the guy after week one there. I think we just we know by now he probably isn't going to be. I want to see him have another mega week before I trot him out again. So if you thought you got you know the wide receiver one on this offense for basically nothing this offseason, I'm sorry guys. It's looking less and less likely at this stage. So Jaron Bradley, wide receiver, Texas Tech. You're on the bench this week. I also have Jaron Bradley. Oh, weak. Yeah. Um, he's kind of decreased in targets ever since. And Miles Price is really seeming to be the guy. Yeah, he's really lapped him. Uh, I'm sitting Devin Leary. 
he's not looked good this year. Clemson defense. I don't think anything else needs to be said beyond that. Nope. That's good. Uh, I am sitting everybody on this Texas offense except for Bijan. Never sit Bijan. Um, but even if Quinn Ewers comes back, I'm not trusting him this week. Um, Card is not running as a quarterback because they cannot afford to lose him, really, uh, with Quinn Ewers still not being necessarily back yet. Uh, and, you know, he hasn't really been doing it with his arm. So I'm not starting him if you have him. Um, Worthy is hurt. But even if Worthy does play, I'm still not starting him either. He has no games over 100 yards. He has no games with more than five catches, uh, 14 for 212, and one touchdown on the year. That's it. You know West Virginia gave up almost 40 points to Pitt and gave up 55 points to Kansas, right? I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just checking to make sure that you were aware. They, You know that Keaton Slovis threw for like 300 yards against them, right? I do. Okay, just making sure. Just making sure. This is a Bijan week. They're gonna okay. just pound the ball with Bijan. Okay. Um, um, Jordan Whittington not starting him either. Jatavian Sanders, if you're in a pinch because he's a tight end, I get it. I don't feel super confident. Um, you know, eight, three catches for four yards, one catch for five yards, five catch for forty yards ever since that big first week. He's getting some targets, but I don't really feel good about anybody in this offense. Interesting. Okay. I'm sitting Michael Trigg tight end for Ole Miss this week. I think Kentucky, mm. uh, their front seven's a little tricky, as we saw against Florida. They can give uh, teams a tough time. I think this is the kind of defense that Jackson Dart will struggle a little bit against. It's going to be a very, very, very touchdown-dependent performance. I'm going to predict he doesn't get one. So I'm sitting Michael Trigg. Uh, I am sitting Chase Brown, running back for Illinois. Uh, they get Wisconsin this week. Wisconsin's the number four defense on football outsiders. I know they just, you know, kind of give up a lot to Mayan Williams and Trayvon Henderson, but, uh, this offense is not Ohio state. Uh, this offense runs through chase Brown. So Wisconsin's going to be able to key on that a little bit more. And, you know, I think this is going to be a very slow paced, low scoring game in general. So not starting chase Brown. I am also sitting chase brown all right uh next one i have i'm sitting rocket sanders uh i said to start him last week uh even though even in a tough matchup against AM, that was a miss 17 carries so got the bulk of the carries but only 68 yards they get alabama this week uh alabama held Bijan to 57 yards on 21 carries he had to really do a lot of that damage in the receiving game not that rocket sanders can't do that but uh i i think that they're going to struggle in this one so i'm not starting rocket this is a bit of a crazy one but sometimes you gotta be a little crazy so we're going for it i'm sitting blake quorum against iowa i don't feel great saying this but i do think that iowa's game plan this week is going to be to shut down the run and to make jj mccarthy beat them and i'm not sure like this will be the first real test as to whether J.J. McCarthy can do that. I don't know that he can at this stage in his career. He'll answer that question this week one way or the other. Uh, So I'm sitting Corum until I see that out of him this week. I was strongly considering Corum. Um, I was. So It's a scary one. Yeah. It's a scary one. 
I, I I still think I would start him, so that's why I didn't put him on the list. But I get I, where you're coming from. I probably well, I I would unless I just have like like it depends on what your options are. If you've got some decent options out there, and this is a big week, like a lot of the Mac games and stuff begin, so you yeah. might you might just have a couple better options, even though yeah. Quorum has been yeah, maybe a Marquez Cooper for fantasy. Is that a great option? I mean, he hasn't been great this year, but I again, no, but again, they get Kent uh, State hasn't. Been yeah, great. and they get Ohio. Yeah. So yeah, but um. Anyway, next sit for me, Phil Jerkovich. Um, yeah, you can't he's use just, this one anymore after this. Yeah, week, I yeah. I was just gonna say he's a sit until further notice. Um, you know, he has he does have two games with twenty five fantasy points, but he also has two games under ten fantasy points. Last week, really, really bad. Um, Fifteen for twenty three, one hundred and five yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Louisville's been kind of hot and cold, um, but. I, they're still a, a good enough team, and, and Boston College is just a bad team, so I'm not starting Dracovic. I'm sitting Demario Douglas this week because I don't think uh, wide receiver Liberty because I don't think Caden Salter is starting, and those two have had really good chemistry. Those have basically been all of Douglas's big weeks. Um, if Salter does go, then I probably am rolling Douglas, but I, I'm working out of the assumption he's not for this this exercise. So I'm sitting Demario Douglas. Uh, I am sitting Brian Cobbs. Um, Utah State offense as a whole has really been struggling. This especially... is like the worst group of 10 sits I've ever seen in my life, Colin. Are you kidding me? Utah State's been dog water all season. Brian Cobbs has 30 points this season. He's got 33 targets, though. So he's getting the volume. And I'm you sit- probably I'm sitting the backup him. running back at you BYU. probably picked him. I'm sitting. You probably drafted him as a starter. So depending on you may not have better options, but I'm still sitting him. I also if said you, to sit if you other don't players have better options than Brian Cobbs, then you really need to reflect on how you draft or your whole team died. That's bad. I'm just saying. I'm not starting. Okay. Okay. Uh, I believe this is my last one, Sam Pinckney. Uh, it sounds like Grace McCall might be out. I haven't heard confirmation on that either way, but didn't look good when he went down. I already tried to get back in, but I mean, uh, adrenaline, adrenaline is a hell of a drug. Um, I'm working out of the assumption, again, no Grace McCall. And if no Grace McCall, no receiving options there, Sam Pinckney uh, being the top one. So he, he's the one I'm going with. Uh, I'll actually one-up you. I'm sitting everybody in Coastal. Um Assuming you, you've got three here that you're probably going to blow because you played, you tried that <laughs> I trick know. this week. I know. Um, I told you I had some bold ones in here too. So I had to mix in a, a Brian Cobbs and a Phil Dracovic. All right. Um, but no, I'm sitting everybody on, on coastal. I, you know, Grayson McCall is the engine that makes that offense go. Um, and without him, I think they're, they're going to be, you know, really struggling offensively. I still think they'll probably win this game. Um, but it's, it's going to be a rough one. All right, guys. Uh, well, let's name our, our 10 sits here, and then we will uh, get out. I'll go first here. Jade Knott, Will Shipley, Quentin Johnston, Jaron Bradley, Devin Leary, Michael Trigg, Blake Corum, Demario Douglas, Sam Pinckney, and Chase Brown. Um, I am sitting Christopher Brooks, J.J. McCarthy, everybody on Mississippi State. Um, may not have a better option with Will Rogers, so if you need to um, the whole Texas offense, except for Bijan chase Brown, rocket Sanders, Phil Dracovic, Jared Bradley, 
Brian Cobbs and the entire Coastal Carolina offense, especially if Grayson McCall sits. I'm not going to put the caveat on it for this game. Grayson McCall starts, you know, obviously I'd probably start him. But yeah. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show. Make sure to check out everything we've got going on at campusdecanton.com, everything on the Campus to Canton podcast feed, everything on the Campus to Canton YouTube page, basically just everything Campus to Canton does. Set some notifications on, check in once a day. Don't want to miss anything. we got a lot of things coming at you. CFF, Devi, C2C, NFL Draft, recruiting, you name it. We've got it as long as it touches college football. We will be back on Thursday, guys, with Canton Bound, the NFL half of our show here at Campus to Canton. Until then, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.